Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Dun dun dun, some intro music or not. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV podcast 390. Terry Miller, the disc golf guy, here. And Johnny V has never looked so good. In fact, Johnny V's not here. So if all of this is not going correct right now, we know who there is to blame. And that would be Johnny, who's who's not he he's not next to me at all. In fact, Johnny V is likely in a plane at the moment. So if you guys could do me a favor, please let me know that everything looks and sounds okay. I mean, there's there's only so much I can do about the face. Yes, I know, but let me know that everything looks and sounds all right because. I'm using a totally different setup. I've brought in all my own equipment, but I am at Johnny V's house. So hopefully we're all good to go. Just a few moments ago, I did a super quick test and should be all good to go. So if you guys can give me that confirmation, then, well, then we can get this party started. Tonight, going to be welcoming none other than Calvin Heimberg. He's going to be joining actually in just a couple of minutes. Hopefully, I'll be able to correctly bring him onto the show and feature him as a guest. That's the plan. So I'll talk to him a little bit about that, uh, about the All-Star Weekend, I should say. And we'll also talk about, obviously, what's coming here in 2022. I'll take any questions and things that come in from the rest of the audience and from uh, all of you guys out there tonight. But hopefully, everybody is well, as I'm double-checking. Everybody's saying everything is good. So... Um, yeah, in just a few moments, like I said, we're going to have Calvin Heimberg. Also, I want to talk um, a little bit. We saw some news with the Disc Golf Pro Tour slash the Disc Golf Network today. I'll do my best to kind of recap and break down what we saw over there in terms of some new uh, pricing and the agenda and some of the new offerings that are going to be seen here in 2022. So we can touch on that just a little bit as well. So that's pretty much it. It's probably going to be a little bit on the shorter side. I'm not going to have Johnny V to correct or to give updates to throughout the entire day. So we might see things go a little bit faster because of that reason. And if I can push all the correct buttons, it looks like we might be able to be ready to go. And I'm just going to click a thing or two and I'm going to welcome now. Let's see if we can bring in none other than Calvin Heimberg. Looks like he is all ready to go. And I believe... I at least click this, we should see Kelvin Heimberg. Dang, there I am. Holy cow, Kelvin, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you, Terry? I'm good. 
I had mistakenly assumed. Actually, this, and I think we can we maybe even both be on the screen at the same time. Holy cow! All right, I mistakenly assumed that you were in Vegas um, because we're seeing so many of our other players because the All Star Weekend just wrapped up, and it feels like a lot of players just immediately trans transitioned into Vegas. But you're back at home, is that right? Yep, I'm back in Florida for the next handful of days. And what made that decision instead of either? just driving out there, I don't know, a week or two ago into Tucson, what made the decision to fly out and then presumably fly back and now drive out? Uh, yeah, I'm working on building out a van and, um, I was supposed to have a window put in today, but I drove down to Sarasota and got there and they told me their tech wasn't there. So that didn't happen. So I found a different place to put it in on Thursday, but basically I just need to wrap up the last few things on my van before I hit the road with it um, out to Texas. So I decided to fly out for the All-Stars and then fly back to finish some things up so that when I come back from Vegas, I can pretty much get all packed up and hit the road. So if you could... Uh, obviously we've seen a ton of vans that have hit the disc golf scene in the last few years. I think just as recently as today, I saw a picture of, um, of Erica Stinchcomb's van, which I know that her and her husband, Ian have been working on throughout the off season. Is there a van that you could reference or liken it to so that people would kind of know exactly what yours is going to look like, or does it look like every other big white van? Um, no, mine is silver, so it doesn't look like every other big white van. It looks like every other big silver <laughs> van with okay. some fans and solar panels on the top. But, um, my van's different than, uh, a lot of people's. I, I don't, I don't have one of the super long vans like, uh, James or, or Nate, but it's, it's a shorter van, um, but a high roof and my my bed isn't completely stationary. I kind of have an expandable bed because I can't sleep uh, crosswise. I have to sleep lengthwise, but I didn't want to lose all the space to just putting a bed in there. So who who has a van that's of a similar size? Um, you know, I, I don't really know. I mean, I can tell you I have a 144-inch wheelbase Sprinter van, but um, I, I don't know. I really haven't paid that much attention as to... The size of everyone else's van. <laughs> I feel like that's something you would be taking notes on. No, but uh, so give everyone what you've been touring around in and then what made the decision to go to the van this year? Uh, yeah, so since I started, I guess, touring and whatever, mid to late 2018, I was touring in a Mazda 3, um, just a tiny little Mazda 3 hatchback. And I decided to go with a van this year just uh, – give me a little more space with everything and then uh, allow me kind of a little more freedom with what I would do in my off weeks. Um, just don't have to worry about lodging and uh, can kind of pull over and, and sleep or camp wherever I want. And what, what was kind of your style, so to speak? Everybody, I felt like, had a different comfort level with when they would travel and visit and go other places? Was it common that you'd get to someone's house and then usually they'd be a host and then you would just crash at their house? Was that pretty much how you did it before? Uh, kind of depends. Um, 
there's different places on tour I had where I, I knew people or knew people through people that I would stay with them. And there's other places on tour where I would basically just be splitting hotels or Airbnbs with uh, some of the other people on tour. So kind of a mix, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it worked. It's just, you know, traveling in a duffel bag for eight months out of the year kind of gets old eventually. So having a place for everything is going to be nice. Yeah. And one of the most eye-opening uh comments that was ever given to me was about five years ago nate and val had traveled to wisconsin of course they were some of the original people that were doing it um you know doing the whole van lifestyle and when we got to a place that had more than enough lodging they said no we're we're gonna sleep in the van like that's where our bed is like mm -hmm. our good bed that we love we're going to still stay in that, even though there was a place, you know, plenty of lodging inside of a house. Do you feel like you'll probably develop the same mentality or will that maybe depend on temperature or, or some of the conditions? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really know. I mean, I've never had a van before, but yeah, I assume it's a lot going to be uh, dictated by weather and um, really how comfortable the bed is that I put in there. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Hopefully it's comfortable and I'll want to sleep in there all the time, but you know, if it, if it sucks, then I'll obviously want to go sleep in some other bed. <laughs> well, and I, I think Paige and uh, Alyssa had said that not too long ago as well. They're like, this is, you know, again, this is the one that we love actually being in. Um, how how much, what will you be doing during the, the down weeks? I mean, because it feels like you camp and you hike. Uh, are those all things that you, you'll be looking forward to doing and then having just the van availability? Like, what does an off week look like for you or a, or, or a downtime, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of outdoor activities. So um, I really haven't gotten a good chance to look at the schedule and kind of see where the off weeks will be in between what events. Uh, I've just been busy and haven't gotten a chance to kind of do any planning. But I would say the van will definitely give me a little more freedom to where, you know, I don't have to necessarily know where I'm going to end up in the evening. Um I'm kind of like, I'm not, my plans aren't going to be dictated by where I need to be sleeping in the evening or finding a campground or a hotel or whatever. It, it could, that's pretty much anywhere at this point. So I can focus a little more on the activities I want to do and a little less on where I'm going to spend the, the evenings. Uh, okay. Last logistical question about your new vehicle, I think for now. Um, power what's what's the plan is it built out with things like air conditioning and will you have a fridge and and those types of things i mean i know you said solar just how yeah. powerful will that be will that be able to run anything you need um i guess we'll see yeah i have uh i have 400 amp hours of lithium batteries in there um i think i got like 350 watts of solar up there and i also have the ability to plug into um shore power or uh, charge off the alternator so i have plenty of options to charge the batteries i will have a fridge in there um fridge and a sink and uh you know outlets to charge my stuff um got some puck lights up in the ceiling fans so it has a uh, a bunch of stuff and uh we'll, we'll see how it all goes i mean i've never really done this before so i think i'll quickly discover the shortcomings of whatever electrical uh components i put in there yeah, and with regard to just do, you know doing this for the first time and and learning, that was going to be my next question: is how if if you were either to start over or you were to 
write a short series of instructional tips for someone who's never done this before, what would you say is the biggest thing that you've learned that you either miss, you know, made a mistake on, or you just simply didn't know what was, what would be the biggest tip you'd give for a brand new person starting this tomorrow? Um, just do lots of planning, do lots of reading, and then be prepared to do lots of problem solving because, uh, nothing's square in there. Everything's curved and rounded. So nothing's as simple as it seems. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Are you going to have sleepovers? I don't know. Only time will tell. I mean, I probably depends on if I have any friends, you know? Man, I think a pajama party sounds like a good time. Yeah. Could be fun. Could be fun. I got to finish building it out first. So, <laughs> how, how much of the work have you done as opposed, you know, and have you had like a crew of people? I mean, sometimes we see these entire families get behind it. Erica and, and Ian, for instance, I know uh, we're working on it uh, pretty diligently. Like, what, what has been that process and how many people are working on it? Yeah. I, um, it's mostly been me with the help of uh, some friends. Um, Joey Tamale came down and helped for like a week and a half as well. But uh, yeah, it's mostly been me, some local friends when they got some free time. And then I actually have uh, my uncle down here. He's helping me as well. But um, yeah, it's been a mix of different people at different times. But it's always useful to have a second set of hands while putting stuff together. On a scale of 1 to 10, how, I'll say me mechanical or electrical, how handy are you with everything that you've been doing? Um, now or before? I don't know. I mean, I, I feel <laughs> yeah, like that's, that's a good question. Uh, how about before versus now? How much have you learned? I mean, I feel like I've learned a lot and I'm definitely handier now than I was before, but uh, I, I wouldn't say I was completely blind going into it, but I've definitely learned a lot about electrical and even just you know, building cabinets and things. So, um, I would say I like I knew how to operate power tools and stuff before, but um, you know I, I would say my my abilities have gotten a lot better as uh, the projects have gone on. Awesome! All right, I promised a, the last logistical question, but this this might really be it. Give me a rough estimate, if you would, or give the world a rough estimate what they should expect to spend on a van build out one that's similar to yours and i know there's going to be there could be a huge range but something similar to what you've done roughly what do you think it's going to cost you when it's all said and done you know that's a great question terry um <laughs> to be honest i have no clue where i'm at right now but um <laughs> yeah i mean it like in general, van buildouts, they can vary so much. I mean, as far as the vehicle you start with, whether it's new, used, the brand, you know, I mean, just like the, the vehicle itself can, you know, range from, you know, ten to $60,000. And what you put in it is, I mean, the range is even larger there. But, um, I mean, as far as, and honestly, I'll tally it all up here when I finish up and I'll let you know, because I really don't know where I am. All right. All right. I, I think that's just such an, I mean, it's all part of the overall process, but, and mm -hmm. I know it can vary greatly. And I know like things like the solar itself, you know, has so yeah. many different options that I've heard about and all of those mm -hmm. things, but 
people are so intrigued. And I know um, Jordan, um, Jordan, along with uh, James, have done a really good job. In fact, they had an end of year breakdown where they kind of talked about all the money they saved, where they spent money, where they saved money. And I, I just I think a lot of people are really fascinated and like to think, man, could I go on the road? You know, where did they cut corners? Where did, you know, where do they save money? Where do they actually spend money? And I think just the initial cost of getting in a, a van and getting off on the road um, may seem daunting, but um, having those numbers, I think at least give somebody a, a legitimate idea as to what it would take. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's move over to this last weekend. Uh, we're going to get into the all-stars, the disc golf pro tour all-star weekend. Um, first of all, you being a captain, is that a role that you were excited about and wanted to embrace or not? Um, I mean, it was, it was, I guess, extra work, but not really that much extra work. I don't know. I wasn't like <laughs> excited about it or not. I mean, I really just ended up with that role because someone didn't decided not to show up and decided to spend time somewhere else. You know, I <laughs> won't name names, but obviously it wasn't me because i was there uh yeah i mean uh, so what it would have been it must have been ricky would have been otherwise a captain. yeah yeah it was rick it was rick <laughs> uh and, and rick kind of you know a lot of people wondered where both him and paul were for the weekend and paul was had a, a you know family time and family vacation plan with a whole bunch of other people he said he didn't want to have to make them reschedule and rick has very much gone, I don't want to say gone with the excuse, but has publicly said, I want to continue to get my disc dialed in and I want to be that much more prepared and ready to go. Um, is, I mean, I know you're not going to second guess his decision, but are you going to second guess that decision? I mean, should he have been there playing? Wouldn't that been a good time I mean, to practice? We, just see, we see videos of him in pools and stuff all the time. I mean, <laughs> are you learning his disc or is he hanging out around the pool? I don't know. No, yeah. um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he has a, a bunch to learn, but honestly, I feel like he's probably fine. I mean, he was throwing that same plastic, what, like three years ago or something. So I can't imagine. It's like it's not he's got he's not going in there completely blind. He obviously knows most of the molds. Um, I mean, he might be adding a few new ones, but I'm sure he's going to lean heavily on a lot of the molds he already knew from three years ago. So I don't know. I feel like it's. I feel like he could have gone. I mean, he could still learn his disc in Arizona if he really wanted to. But, I mean, they did kind of drop the final details on us a little late. Um, so, I mean, I understand. He might have just had other plans to be somewhere else, kind of like Paul did. So, I don't blame him. You know, really, I'm just jabbing at him for fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, with with Disc Golf Con, which originally was supposed to be going on this week, I feel like that did open up a lot of other time and opportunities that people were probably planning on doing stuff. Were you? Were you, did you have any? You must have had some obligations at Disc Golf Con, right? Or were you asked to probably play golf or something at least? Yeah, yeah, I, I was. I was supposed to be at Disc Golf Con, um, whatever, playing events and then running some clinics, but um, that obviously got canceled and. Fortunately for me, it gave me a little more time to finish up my house on wheels. So not the end of the world for me, but um, I guess there's probably a bunch of people that wish it was still happening. 
Yeah, it's definitely disappointing, and I, I think they're taking on a monumental task, and the effort that they're putting out I think will be, um, you know, has never been done before. So I'm excited for when we do see it and get to experience it, and we'll see if it ends up taking place at that exact same time next year, uh, which would make, you know, that much more time out in that, you know, southwest area. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people saw some of the pictures, some of you guys with your your social media and other things that were taking place out there. They, of course, saw what was happening on the Disc Golf Network. But by and large, it seemed like it was an amazing place and damn near everyone had a great time. Is Are those are those fair assessments? Yeah, I mean, it's um, definitely a more laid back event. Um, it was very pretty. The weather was beautiful. Can't complain too much about that. Um, but in, in the end, like, it's not as serious of a competition as anything else. So, I mean, I don't feel like you're really – I mean, everyone's there is competitive to some extent, but it's just – it's not the same as when I'm showing up to an Elite Series event or a major. Like, I'm not, like, locked into that event. I'm just – I'm there, especially since it's the first time I'm seeing most of these people for the year. I'm just catching up with a bunch of my, my buds and, um, yeah, just having a good time. So – is this event, and this is only in its second iteration, last year we were in Fountain Hills just before the tour kicked mm-hmm. off, similar scenario there. This year it feels like things were even a little more grander, you know, on a, even a larger scale. They in, introduced the skills competitions, the, the, you know, there's doubles and singles. Is there the possibility, though, that if there's not enough either money or prestige on the line that this this may not be enough to entice our players could could you see could you see that being a scenario or do you see this as always a great reunion where people can kind of start getting warmed up for the season assuming it's held at essentially the same time a week or two before the season kicks off every year yeah i mean i i don't think there's really much prestige to be had at this event because like in the end, like the formats that we've had, they've always like none of them are really individual accolades. And then, like in the end, like th- you don't really get to choose. Like I guess I got to choose who was on my team, but like not everyone really gets to choose where they are. I, I don't know. It it definitely doesn't hold anywhere close to as much prestige as any of the events we play on tour. So I don't. I don't know. It's one of those weird things. I think it just depends on the person. Um, but if it's held at you know at the right time of the year with good weather, it's it's likely you'll see a bunch of people show up. I mean, it's basically more time in front of the camera. It's a chance to create cool t- cool content. And um, yeah, there's no really, really reason not to go. Um, it's a good warm up for you know the players and the media teams. Yeah, and, and maybe where I arrive at this is, I think back to say five years ago or 10 years ago, this would be, I don't want to say game changing, but I mean, this would be just such a, a monumental effort and, and payback and bonus for our players. But you guys are getting to a point where a nice resort and being maybe, um, and, and, and dangling the carrot of a little bit of bonus money and a little bit of camera time. I just wonder, will that continue to be enough? And I'm, and I'm not suggesting that the pro tour is not doing enough. I'm just suggesting like, uh, you know, I think about what it took to get a player to a tournament 10 years ago. You'd say, Hey, there's going to be 10 grand added and it's a decent course. Like that's what it took to woo in a player. 
Yeah. And now we're just past that. It's no longer just money. It's so many other things that it really takes to get someone like yourself to come off of, you know, maybe the pro tour and to come try out some other A tier. It it takes more. And that's what I'm wondering is will this event always, you know, have to raise the bar in order to keep, you know, keep you guys coming back? Yeah, I mean, I definitely can see that being an issue. Um I mean, we're already seeing it as an issue. Like, you saw, you know, the two biggest names in the NPO field not show up this year, you know? Yeah. For different reasons. But, I mean, they, they both decided they weren't going to go. Um, and, yeah, I, I think as the sport grows, I mean, you're probably going to have more people feeling that way. Do I really want to show up to this event that no one's going to, you know, really remember? I mean, it's... I mean, no one will probably remember this event unless, you know, they went or, I don't know, they, they really like Eagle McMahon and his crazy putts or lefty throws. But, like, I mean, I, there, there, I mean it's, it was a fun event, but, like, I don't, I don't feel like it's really an event that holds much to any other value other than, you know, just being a good time. So if the players value, you know, seeing their friends for the first time in a few months, maybe they'll continue to show up if it's held in February. But, uh, you know, it also would be cool if it was held in the Southeast in January or something. Yeah. I mean, just say no bias, no bias or anything. No bias. You're just just saying. Maybe in Florida. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, any cities in mind? Any good courses or or I golf mean, courses? It could it could be held like in Tampa or something. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, cool. yeah. yeah, maybe Orlando. I, I don't know. I can drive that far. <laughs> and again, I I, I want to be very clear to the world that I I there's no disrespect whatsoever. But I I'm just thinking with the how the bar continues to raise year after year, largely because of you know uh, organizations like the Pro Tour. It just takes more to get you guys to come. And when you say any drawbacks, I think someone could say, well, you know, like Ricky, I want to either get more practice time, you know, with some other discs, or I want to get to a particular area earlier, or I don't want to risk an injury playing an event that doesn't have a, a, a huge financial payback, uh, payoff. And I don't really want to play yet another weekend that, you know, I may not be getting a, a big reward for. So those might all actually factor in at some point. Now, can you clarify? Jeff texted me during the broadcast said there is, in fact, uh, a prize for the winning team. And then did you guys also have some form of uh, appearance fee? Like, was that everybody was essentially guaranteed something in addition to uh, a weekend at this great resort? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, we all had an appearance fee, and our rooms were all comped there. Um, and yeah, I think there was—I don't—I honestly didn't don't remember what it was, but it was somewhere in some email what the prizes were. I think there was prizes. So if you were like, you know, if you won the skills competition you competed in, and if you won your matchups or whatnot, and I think they had different prize amounts. So like, there was money to be won. Um, Maybe not on the scale of, you know, winning an Elite Series event, but, uh, I mean, there was still money to be had and, um, you know, time and good weather. It was whatever, like mid-70s or something out there and sunny, so can't complain well, with that. Well, for the afternoon rounds, not so much for the women's rounds in the morning, uh, right? I mean, <laughs> at 8 a.m. in the morning, maybe it was like 47 <laughs> and overcast, but... 
<laughs> by the time I got to play, it was like <laughs> 77 and sunny. So Exactly. So it all worked out for you. Uh, yeah, and Jeff had said that there was, uh, a, a, I'll call it a substantial uh, amount that w- was going to the winning team. And I, and I loved how you worded it to me. It, it said something about, you know, the team gets this. And then I thought, wait, does the captain get to determine... Yeah, can the, does the captain have to divvy that up evenly? I mean, let's face it, like Paul Uliberry. Whoa, I mean, throwing him under the bus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm just reading the memes that suggested that he showed up and didn't help the team. I love the guy, but didn't help the team the way you know a lot of the other teammates did. Is it? <laughs> I mean, right? he's just as much a winner as the rest of us. <laughs> that didn't get any points. I mean, he got. 20 something points in the putting competition which might have been the lowest i mean yeah but he made some i mean he endured (laughs) maybe the worst putting performance in that game and you just have to sit there and continue to putt even though you're putting awful you have to everyone's staring at you you're missing putts you know that deserves some kind of like monetary compensation because he's probably mentally scarred all right. Well, he should definitely get as much as you did for besting Eagle with some insane shots. I, I yeah. agree. Yeah. I mean, okay. he did his part. Maybe maybe it was more moral support for the team than it was, you know, point contributions. He was yeah. I mean, team. he's he's like the he discraft team, team captain. As as me or Ezra or James or Matt Orum. And I'm probably forgetting. Yeah. Oh, Kyle Klein, Adam Hannes. Hopefully I didn't forget anyone. I, I, I get confused about who is all on the team now. And to be fair, um, it it almost felt like the teams on the FPO side, it's, I hate to use the term, but some said lopsided. And, and it felt as if there was maybe a distinct advantage on Team Pierce. And clearly, it, whether anyone else said there was or wasn't, it didn't matter. Because obviously Team Cat went out and got it done in this awesome fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how did you feel about your teams? I mean, obviously, I know you like the team you picked, probably. But how did you feel about how the, the way they matched up? Yeah, I mean, I felt pretty good. I mean, it's pretty impossible to pick a bad team um, mm-hmm. out of the players that were there. Um, I did just pretty much pick the highest seed available. And a lot of I definitely got a lot of texts uh, after I drafted <laughs> saying I drafted pretty bad. So... <laughs> see how that turned out but I, I think a lot of people when they saw the draft mainly because we had to say what we were drafting the people for when we drafted them they probably put more emphasis on the skills competitions um, when they were talking about how we drafted than there really should have been because in the end the skills competitions were three points and then when it comes to like actual kinds of stroke play with doubles and singles there were 10 points available so I mean, really, like, you could draft a team solely based on singles, and more than half the points are available there. So you would have been better off just – you are better off taking best player available rather than even thinking about skills competitions in the format we had. Were you at all thinking about team camaraderie or, or you know, personal likes or dislikes or anything of that nature? I mean, or were you just trying to go just, like, straight up player rating slash ranking uh when you were going down the line i mean i literally i'm pretty sure i just drafted based on pro tour point standings 
I just, I am pretty sure I just took the highest seed available every time I was asked to draft. <laughs> okay. All right. So that really I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with player rating. It's really all, I mean, that's probably not even the best way to pick because <laughs> I mean, some of the, I mean, points are also accumulated by your attendance. So like some people may not have played as many silver series or whatever. So like points don't necessarily dictate player quality. They just dictate quality along with participation. Okay. I mean, obviously it worked out for you. I got lucky, but someone also <laughs> told me before the draft that, you know, plenty of fantasy teams that auto draft win the championship. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we all know it. You can put any team or person against another person in any rating against another, and you, you have to play the game. I mean, right. Yeah. That's, that's just how that's, I think the whole, well, one of the main components of sports is like, mm -hmm. it, it really means nothing until you go out and play the game. Um, Let's talk a little bit. Well, let's start with uh, you guys did the skills on Friday. Yep. Uh, well, first you started with distance. Yep. And, you know, you you said that you had the distinct advantage in the sense that there was actually a controlled in uh, landing zone in which you guys needed to land in as opposed to just throwing raw power. Um, crazy how your shots look so different from everyone else's right i mean that's just your style the low line drives yeah i mean we didn't know that that was going to be our distance field when we picked the teams so i can't claim that like i knew any anything um honestly yeah eagle picked drew early and then he ended up picking garrett too as one of the wild cards so like I mean, I picked Ezra, and then at the end, I had to choose whether or not to put myself or Yuli in distance, and I, I didn't want to do that to Yuli, so um, <laughs> I, I put myself there, and I really didn't think we had that much of a chance. I mean, I know Ezra can throw far, I can throw far, but I mean, you think of Drew and Garrett as like two of the farthest throwers in the game, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we, we got set up out there, and I would think we had zero chance if it was just a wide open field, but... We ended up on like an actual fairway and there was like less than ideal. Like there was a little bit of a kind of like a head crosswind um, out there. So it wasn't the ideal distance line throwing wind. So it's so like all those high shots are kind of the wind's getting under them and they're kind of stalling out. So the low penetra penetrating drives like I like to throw um, kind of had a little more of an advantage there. And also it, yeah, just a lot more of the energy to kind of go into forward skip since it's where it landed. It wasn't where it touched the ground. Um, yeah. And that was going to be my next question. I don't know how many other distance competitions you've done probably at the world championships. Um, and, and it's just very common and or customary that a disc, once it hits the very first time it hits, that's where, the official mark traditionally is it could hit. And then if it skips a hundred more feet, that doesn't matter. It's where it initially comes uh, uh, in, into contact with the ground. So to hear that rollers were into play, which weren't really practical, but rollers were in play. And then the additional skip forward. Um, did, did you think that was kind of odd or different or did you think much of it at the time? Um, yeah, I didn't think much of it. I mean, honestly, I didn't really think anyone, I didn't even think anyone would throw a roller or was thinking about it until someone brought it up at the very end. Garrett might, might was thinking about maybe throwing a roller on one of his last shots, but 
Um, yeah, there was there wasn't really much thought put into it. It was just kind of I showed up that day and those were the rules, and I was like, maybe we have more of a chance than uh, <laughs> than I thought. But even then, I still didn't really think had that good of a chance. But as I said, uh, I think in that whatever pre-drive contest, I, I needed Ezra to put me out to a, a lead, which he was able to do against Drew. And um, then I was able to put down a throw that I didn't think I was going to throw that day. And uh, it made it difficult for Garrett in those conditions. Cause I think he had to throw like 680 or something, or maybe even somewhere around 680 in order to, to win. So that's a difficult throw in any conditions. So. Yeah. And, and just even the format of adding the two, you know, distances together was, was really unique. My, I was going to, yeah, it just, there was a lot of unique things that we don't typically see, even though we've kind of seen putting and distance competitions, the way in which we arrived at the the tallies I thought was uh, made things a little bit more interesting as well. So, um, yeah. And I think about just that, as you were saying, like Garrett's throwing style, whenever his discs are coming to a rest, in a big competition, you know, he throws the sky Annie that then mm-hmm. flexes back. Then he's usually almost where it would hit is, is where it stops. Um, anyway, or relatively close. Yours are just so different with, uh, the low skipping momentum. What were you throwing destroyers? Yeah, I threw, um, some destroyers and some emperors, um, okay. pretty much any distance driver I had because I flew out there and I really didn't prep for a distance <laughs> competition. So, it was pretty much uh, whatever 12-speed disc I had. Uh, and then, so moving into the skills competition, did did you like, or not the skills, sorry, the accuracy portion, did you like the format there? Is there is there ways that things could be adjusted, or did you like exactly how they did it? Um, I didn't really, I mean, I, I watched the competition, but I actually didn't really see where they were throwing from. So I like I have an idea of what they were doing. I really don't know how far they were away from the gaps they were trying to hit, but um, it seemed pretty interesting. Um, some of the shots seemed really hard. I'm mm-hmm. glad I didn't have to do them, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it shaped up pretty well for the for the guys. Um, everything seemed doable. Uh, definitely tested a wider wide array of shots. Uh, you know, Kevin's grenade definitely came in. Yes, as a huge advantage on that over the top shot. Uh, like I don't, I don't really think anyone else had too much success other than Kevin on that shot. They were all trying to like barely squeak over the tree, throwing these hyzers with a crosswind. It just was never destined to do great things. So uh, I think, I think that was cool. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have a complete grasp of exactly what it looked like from their point of view. And then over at the putting competition, uh, I feel like it was such a great way to close out the day. And then we saw some incredible putting. And I think about what obviously James Conrad did, you know, racking them all up five for five from the 45 foot station. Um, Was everyone pumped? Did any repeat? Were the peers impressed? Is that something that you guys are like, take note of? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was exciting. Um, I think the most excited person out there was definitely Kevin Jones. Um, you could probably hear him on any broadcast, but <laughs> yeah, it, it was cool to, to see, you know, I mean, like you expect some people to do, do good, but then like, um, like people you hadn't seen as much of like watching Gannon putt, he putted really well as well. And I mean, he's someone that 
I mean, I, I have maybe played with him twice or three times, so I don't have a very good idea of his game. It was just – it was cool to see. I'm sure he's put in a lot of work this offseason, and, it, and it's showing. So that's cool to see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's also exciting just to watch James do what James always does and make circle two putts. So, yeah, it was exciting. Um, and, yeah, there were definitely some people that were super, super hyped. Yeah, and I feel like it's just such an easy thing to spectate you know, for you guys there on the ground, obviously for us with our cameras and everything in the studio, but just such an easy um, and exciting and electrifying, you know, space to be spectating that and to see uh, such incredible putts. A um, little surprised not a single person ended up making the bonus one, but I guess, I guess that's what you call it a bonus. Yeah. Uh, and then moving into doubles, I think one of the clearly, one of the highlights of doubles, the the Conrad and Ezra combo, for the eagle uh how how absurd how good is ezra's throw and then how clutch is james's putt yeah i mean the roller itself is pretty amazing um it's definitely there i mean i in singles i even watched kevin throw a roller almost pin high but i mean ezra got it up there and was more right uh and gave him gave them like a realistic look at a putt so but i mean even the putt that he gave him was you know not a putt you like have you have better odds of missing that even in doubles than you do of making it. So, I mean, it was pretty awesome that they were able to put that together in doubles. So, I mean, really incredible, not, not anything you would like ever see in singles, but you know, once in a blue moon, you'd see it happen in doubles and it pretty much takes that team, you know, big distance thrower that can throw a roller and an amazing putter. Yeah. And I think about, you know, 754 feet, slightly downhill, then back up the hill, uh, par four, just yeah, all of it, just electrifying. Um, were you paying attention much to what the battles were in any of the skills or the doubles or anything uh, that was going on in the FPO side? Or was that all just too early for you every day? Um, no, I, I didn't paid too much attention i did walk around a little bit and see some of the stuff going on with the fpo side but i really wasn't keeping track of the uh the points on their side and i really wasn't keeping too much track of the points on our side until the uh, very end of the final day like i knew we only got one point after the end of day one and then i knew we got two out of the three points on day two but it wasn't something i was like actively keeping up with as you know, time was progressing in real time. Like I, I knew at the very end. So, yeah. And, and I feel like there's a fine line of, you know, you can know all of the point totals, but it's, what are you going to say to the best other fellow best players in the world? Hey guys, it'd be great if you'd like do really good. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just do your best and try and beat the other really good people. Please do really good. It'll I help. Mean, the team. You know, I mean, right. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's things you can do like, before the final day in singles, I saw Kyle Klein and I told him that he better pull his weight in the parking lot. Okay. And it paid Which isn't off. a lot of weight, but I told him he better pull his weight against Chris. You know, <laughs> I told him he had business to handle and he handled it. Uh, he certainly he did. In did. fact, um, at one point I got a, a message from Kyle's mom and she said, what did Kyle, you know, tick off a cameraman? And I wrote her back. This was during the broadcast. I said, no, He's just, he's got the match in hand right now. He, you yeah. know, he's, he's dominating Chris. So unfortunately, I know this sounds backwards, but unfortunately, because that match is so far ahead, 
it's not as interesting as these other close battles. And then within seconds, uh, Kyle had some mishap and, and, you know, a hole or two later, Chris pulled it within one stroke. And I'm like, well, I know look what, look what you did, mom. You jinxed him. And or then, maybe uh, she texted him to get a bogey. Yeah. <laughs> she said, if you want camera time, you better get a bogey. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> it was just pretty crazy to see that. And then, you know, uh, then Chris, I, we didn't see it. Did if Chris like two or three or four putt on, he ran into some serious trouble. I want to say on 15 or 16 and took like a tr triple bogey to Kyle's birdie. Oh, well, and that was that. So yeah, I, I, I'm not aware of that situation, but I saw the final <laughs> scores. So I know it wasn't that close at the end. Yeah. It was like a three or four stroke lead for Kyle. Then a hole or two later, it was down to like one stroke and then it was back up to a four stroke lead. I was okay. like, that is crazy. Yeah. So I'll just fill you in on, on your team stuff, Captain. <laughs> I mean, I had a match to play. <laughs> I know. And of course, let's get to that. Uh, as you said, you, you can't, I mean, you can pay attention, but the question is, does it really matter? I mean, you're, you're trying to play your best possible golf. You're hoping your card mate, uh, in, in Adam Hammes, you're hoping he plays his best golf. Mm -hmm. And that's all you can really truly worry about at that time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I, I can really only see your, I mean, I can't even do anything about Adam, but I can at least talk to him, but cause he was on my card, but I mean, yeah, I can only do, I can really only control myself out there regardless of anything. Now, well, first I'll, I'll start with Adam on that. You know, Adam clearly was a little bit off with his putter. He was a little bit frustrated with himself. Uh, do you bother with any kind of pep talk or, Hey, let's, you know, don't worry about it or let's get it going. Or uh, was there anything of that? Or do you just kind of let him, let him deal with it? However he sees fit. Um, you know, there are a couple moments out there, but I, I mean, I think it was more him talking himself out of things than anything. I mean, we were both back, um, by, you know, one or two around the same time. And, uh, you know, I think he really actually came to me and told was telling me, let's get let's get him back. And um yeah, I think he, he did more talking himself out of any hole that he had dug himself than than I did. So I mean, kudos to him for that. Yeah, now let's let's compare your overall philosophy as team captain as opposed to what we saw from Pierce. Mm -hmm. She right after the draft, I mean she was she was visibly pumped. Uh, she went on to make a statement saying something about how she sees, you know, sweeping the competition. And, and like I said, I, I, I feel like a lot of the world felt she had the stronger team and she was then posting on Instagram about practicing and practicing as, uh, as a team and pep talks. And, and, um, I don't know if they all did facials that night together. I don't know. But anyway, they, I mean, like it was a very, she was very, very outspoken and involved with her whole team. And I feel like you brought a, a different approach. Yeah. I don't think I was that way, but I, I mean, I think that's kind of page like that's mm -hmm. kind of the attitude she brings to disc golf in general. Um, she's very confident and she's not afraid to show that she's confident. Um, I, on the other hand was really just there to play the event and see my friends have a good time. I mean, that's why, like, when I drafted, like, I asked Kyle what he wanted to do. 
my doubles teams were kind of just picked by like I found a couple people that were on my team and I was like, hey, who do you want to play doubles with? And that's who they got to play doubles with. So I I don't know. I was just there to really have fun more than more than anything. <laughs> so you were you were uh, other people were doing captain like duties. You were just uh, there to herd the cats. Yeah, I mean, I was just I was just there to. I don't know if they didn't show up, I wasn't going to go find them. So I, I don't even, I wouldn't even say I was hurting cats. I mean, <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, yes, needless to say different approach. And then I, I mean, that kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of people said, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the draft with Eagle and, and, and Calvin was all right, but like there was actual, um, energy and excitement and a little trash talking and a little bit of rivalry that was exuding from Paige and Kat. And I, as a fan of both of them and knowing them for the last decade, I thought it was incredibly entertaining. I love seeing it. Yeah. I don't, I mean, as much as I like trash talk, I just, I don't think you're going to get it out of Eagle. Like yeah. it takes two to kind of, you know, trash talk so like i could say stuff that eagle but if he's just never gonna say anything back to me it's <laughs> feels kind of weird <laughs> then you just feels look like, like, I'm just like an actual like, jerk <laughs> yeah it feels like i'm like putting someone down just to like put them down or i don't know uh real quick i mean w did you have any reaction to the to the lefty throws i mean you know he's talented but yeah. were, were you at all surprised or thought what the hell is this guy doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw him lining it up there. I don't remember what hole it was. Maybe hole 12 or something. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. hole 12 when I first played with him that final round. And I know he – I mean, he's been practicing lefty for a while, um, mainly just to work the other side of his body. And, like, it's coming along really well, and I guess he's confident enough to, to throw it. I mean, maybe not in an actual tournament. I don't know. If he will be busting out lefties in Vegas, I mean it's nowhere close to as clean as his normal, you know, righty form or his forehand. I don't know where he is with his forehand or when he plans on throwing it again. But uh, I was surprised, but I mean it was it worked. I mean he threw a overstable fairway, whatever, like three hundred. I don't know how long a hole was, maybe three hundred sixty feet, mm -hmm. and uh, got a birdie. And he busted out one other time where I think it cost him. He tried to throw a lefty on an approach a couple of holes later, and I mean it was a pretty routine approach that uh, he put at like forty feet rather than you know fifteen, mm -hmm. and uh, he wasn't able to you know execute the putt from there. So I guess maybe that made the difference. You know, I beat him by by a stick, and. His lefty approach game from like 240 is just not as Sub good as his driving game from 360. Subpar. I mean, psh, what does he even think he's doing out there, right? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, and, and to clarify on that, you're talking about holes 12 and 14, but 12 is 360. It sets up perfectly for a forehand if you've got it, or in his case, you know, the lefty backhand. But that's that's how how much is that downhill? Because it's really it was really tough for us to gauge, you know, the undulation out there. Was that three sixty? Did it play three thirty? Did it play three fifty? Yeah, I mean, it definitely played downhill. Um, it doesn't play like a normal three sixty for sure. I would, it might play like three thirty. Um, I don't know. I mean, 
it it wasn't that far but i mean it's still i mean not far as in terms of, of like normal holes we see on tour um it's just that would that would be like a shorter to mid-size par three i guess okay yeah i mean you could just say it. you're not impressed uh, the, i'm impressed gonna, like if you watch me throw lefty it's <laughs> it can go who knows how many different directions and nowhere <laughs> close to that far <laughs> it was it was certainly part of the talk of the weekend and then of course uh as i keep pushing through the course in the last round i think about other talks of the weekend nico's ace on 10 i think we asked jamie thomas at the time and you guys just caught wind of it but you weren't necessarily close enough to know exactly what happened immediately right it took a little bit to give the clarification yeah i mean it didn't take very long like you you kind of heard some people yelling um I think we were on like hole eight or seven or, or something at that point in time. And like, you could hear him out in the distance, uh, yelling and it really didn't take too long for one of the cameramen to kind of get confirmation, uh, when someone asked if it was nice and they were able to confirm, uh, and probably within a hole and a hole and a half, we knew it was Nico on hole 10. And not long after that, I want to say Adam, I mean, I don't know who posted it first, probably the pro tour or, disc golf network had posted it somewhere and adam had it up on his phone so um yeah i mean yeah. we all knew pretty quick which i mean that's probably like if you were to pick a hole to ace out there like that's that's the one you'd want to ace so it's pretty pretty cool i mean i think his exact phrase was that's all i ever wanted <laughs> he, well, he screamed he screamed that uh he tumbled up and down a hill and gave a whole bunch of high fives but I think the phrase was, that's all I ever wanted. Well, there you go. That's all he ever wanted. Yeah. And <laughs> I'll say this, you, you didn't necessarily know for sure at that moment, but that changed the entire trajectory of that round. He was up. He was down three, down two or down three. He was down three and Matty O went on to bogey. He went out of bounds and bogeyed, and then Nico obviously aced, so that was a three-stroke swing right there, and I believe they were all knotted up after that hole. And then all of the momentum in the world shifted for Nico from there the rest of the way out. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. Uh, Nico definitely feeds off of his own energy, so if he can have like a big swing like that, like he'll probably go on a run, which is... Uh, it's cool. I mean, I think the ace is awesome, but a uh, three-stroke swing sucks for Maddie. That's got to be demoralizing. Yeah, and and in Nico in the post interview said something along the lines of, you know, I feel like or you know Maddie outplayed me, and then he went on to say, you know, I, I caught the momentum at that point, but he goes, I feel like he outplayed me today, and that was probably really otherwise going to be his win. Um, you know, that ace just you know being a large difference right there um you know they had a good battle and everything and it was awesome to watch and they're two they're the two longest veteran players that were at the tournament so i thought that was really yeah. cool and i know they've kind of sort of been in the same touring circuits together at one point you know way back when and so it was a cool battle to see but ever everything about that changed on whole 10 and then he ended up making it on the sports center which i didn't see until the next day but uh, it sounds like he did make it on the sports center with it which is pretty cool considering it was like what super bowl night right <laughs> yep no it is cool 
So, uh, were you, so were you, <laughs> I hate to ask, but did I just give you all of that update? Did you know any of that about the match and the, the scores and what it was like at that point? I didn't know any of that. Okay. I, okay. I know, I know. I just knew that, that Nico, Nico won the match in the end. Um, so, uh, fast forwarding, obviously we're, we're getting to the, to the real payoff and we're getting, you know, the, it was such a good battle for the longest time, uh, that, uh, w- we were seeing with Adam and, um, who's he playing? I'm not... hmm? Adam, was... Adam was up against, uh, Jones. Jones. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good battle. Um, but when it was all said and done, obviously, uh, Adam going out of bounds and everything and then set up what your thought process was as you, as 18 unfolded, walk us through like the tee shot and then what Eagle had done. What, what was going through your mind? Um, yeah, I mean, so going into hole 18, I mean, yeah, Adam and I both had a stroke over each of our competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam had just ended up getting like three strokes back and two holes through Kevin playing a couple of the worst holes he could in a row. Some putting yep, holes yep. and then just, yeah, lots of putting, I guess. And um, so we both had one. And, I mean, at that point, we could look at the – I mean, we ended up having to wait on the group in front of us on the tee. And we were able to kind of see everything finish up. And we knew that uh, we had three wins. And, really, we only need one more point. So if either of us tied – or if we both pushed, um, we would have enough points to win. But, uh, yeah, he had the box. He unfortunately threw OB left, and that's – that. I mean, he ended up in probably one of, like, the worst places you could on that hole. I mean, mm-hmm. after seeing what it looked like where he was, it's probably it would have been way better for him to have just missed the Mando, just, like, tried some kind of crazy shot and, and missed the Mando rather than, I mean, we were talking about it and we were throwing slightly more stable discs just to make sure we skipped off the green, but realistically missing the Mando was probably a better play because you can get up and down from the drop zone with relative ease. And if you go OB left, you have to throw this weird high flexing shot mm-hmm. that is uh, pretty difficult. So he threw OB, Kevin threw like, a picture perfect shot pretty much left himself past the green with just a straight shot. I put my shot in play Eagle through honestly, his drive wasn't very good. And if it didn't catch the tree, he might've gone out of bounds as well. Um, as Adam, it was like really high and didn't flip up as much as he wanted. So his drive wasn't good, but it got a good break and he threw another mediocre shot. I mean, it was good. It just caught the last tree. I mean, it, it wasn't – I mean, he had a tight window to hit. He hit the window. It was just, like, a little too high to miss to like miss the last tree. He cut the branches. And it left him at, I don't know, 80 or, I don't know, somewhere outside circle two. But he had, like, low branches in his way. Uh, and honestly, at that point, I was like, yeah, this is probably wrapped up. Like, I, I mean, I, I knew what that tree looked like. I knew where he was, but um, I mean, I, I knew I was still, I mean, I'm still here to throw a good shot. So, like, I threw a good approach. I put myself inside circle one, probably somewhere between 25 and 30, probably closer to 25. And uh, I mean, I was ready to lay that thing up, but he decided he was going to throw it in. So, 
So I had to make it. But in the end, I was a 25-footer, and I wasn't that worried about it. I hadn't missed a putt since hole three where I missed two putts. So, I mean... Yeah, and watching it all unfold, two things. One, I thought Eagle was a little bit closer, and I thought you were a little bit farther. And so it was actually the exact opposite, you know, from what I had thought when he initially walked up. But him lining up the shot, it truly looked, at least from the main angle we had, it looked just short of impossible, like because of the low-hanging branches, not yeah. because of the power or the distance required. And and clearly he's running at it because, you know, he needs the point. So going mm -hmm. past it, you know, means nothing. I was expecting to find it in the parking lot is what I yeah. truly expected because he's got to give it a good run. But to see the angle and and to see the release and then perfect speed, perfect angle, perfect you know, deflection or not off of any of the low hanging branches. Mm -hmm. uh, what were you thinking when that went in? Were you, you had to be just a little bit pissed off. No, not really pissed off. It was just more like, uh, wow, you got to actually go do something now. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I wasn't pissed off. I mean, it was, it was cool, but I for I me, mean, I know you moment, can appreciate like, it, but okay. For me, in that moment, it was like, I guess I probably appreciated it less than everyone else there, just because <laughs> like it forced me into like focusing for another thirty seconds that I wasn't going to have to before. <laughs> I mean, I again, and I know you're, you know, obviously one of the best in the world, and you respect all of your fellow competitors, and. I know we could all appreciate how good it was, but you no one no one was expecting him to actually be able to make that. You couldn't have thought, well, yeah, he might throw this in. No. I mean that, right? Yeah, I mean you're not expecting anyone to throw it in. Like it's you never expect someone to throw it in. Like the odds are so low, but it's also there aren't very many situations where people are trying to throw it in. You know, there's not there's not really many situations also where we play the game and it's like it's throw in or nothing. So like it's I don't know if like we really have that good of metrics of how good we are at throwing in because it's it's really not something that people try to do very often because when the throw in misses, you know, the results it's are trouble. bad. So it's like, yeah, I mean, maybe we're better at doing it than we think and we just don't trust ourselves at it. <laughs> I'd like to see much more aggressive play out of all of you this year for that yeah. reason. We'll yeah, get a new, we'll get a new stat. <laughs> well, it, it, it won't be the throw in stat, but anything outside of circle two is considered a throw in. Um, so I'm not concerned about that and the distance as much. I, I want some, like some form of like clutch assessment attached to it. Like, Oh yeah, that was 77% clutch or that was, 120% clutch. Yeah, how much how clutch was that shot by him? If you if you had to assess assess on my new made up scale of 0% to 100%, that's 110%. I mean, like I, I don't I, I guess he gets full marks on that. Like I mean, yeah. He was tasked with a I mean, not impossible, but like you know, super difficult shot. He had to make it in one shot. He got one try and one opportunity in, like yeah i mean yeah exactly i'm not i'm not doing this <laughs> but but uh yeah yeah i mean 
I guess he he would get a hundred on that because he executed the shot he had to and in the moment. And that's super impressive. Maybe a little lucky, who knows? Are you gonna own it? Yeah, he definitely did. Okay, and then you stepped up. I mean, at no point you, you I, I know you say you have to concentrate and it's only a 25 footer, but there you, you have to also realize 97 maybe maybe not 90 yeah if you if you took every other disc golfer on the planet that plays disc golf i think 97 percent of the rest of the disc golf community whether that's out of four or five or ten million people miss the putt that you then had to make but you're i mean you're you're one of the best in the world so just no maybe. no no thought of ever no any nerves nothing i don't think there i've those there weren't really nerves there but i think that also might have to do with the fact that my approach to this that weekend was different <laughs> than everyone else's or a bunch of people's but yeah i mean it was there wasn't much nerves it was just like uh just refocusing myself and you know making the putt i, I mean yeah, I mean, I don't know what percentage of people would have made that putt. Um, in the moment, it really didn't seem that difficult. Um, but, yeah, I mean, putting, you know, the rest of the disc golfers in the world in that situation, I really I, – I would be curious to see what the percentages were, but I don't know. I think it might be higher than 3% make. You got to imagine people get lucky, right? In that situation, though, I don't know if it is. I mean, 25-footers, sure, maybe the, the number is greater than 3%. But in that situation, and this will never happen, clearly, but I always said if I was ever uh, on the final hole of a major or a world title, I would think if I'm – I would want at least a three-stroke lead from inside 100 feet. Because I, I, and here's what I say, even if I played the best golf of my life to, to get that three stroke lead, I feel like the, the 10 and 18 and 29 footer, any one of which to close out a world's seems like I would miss that five times in a row. Like I clearly don't have that calm factor, which is funny because I'm a decent putter, at least in practice, but mm -hmm. If I had to close out a world championships and there was an 18 footer on the line, I just, I already think I'm, I'm like missing that. <laughs> like, so it's so incredible. That's why I appreciate you guys so much because of those nerves, because of the way that you can calm yourself or, or maybe just not care. Like you said, were you aware, <laughs> were you aware of the playoff scenario? If there was going to be one, did you know what the, the rules were? Yeah, Jeff. Jeff had made us aware of them. Okay. He sent an email out, and then also he, or at least he told my card even before we teed off what the playoff situation was. If it, had, you know, if it actually happened, if we we'd split three and a half points that day. Each. Okay. And to clarify for the world, as as I was told in the booth, if you if you guys would have pushed, or if you guys would have, uh, if he would have beat you, or whatever, um the number one seed you guys you and eagle first mm -hmm. would go replay hole 18 and if that pushed the number two seeds would replay hole 18 and so on and yep. so forth until there was a non-push is that that's what you heard right yep that was the 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 playoff format 
Uh, that I, I'm not going to lie. That would have also been somewhat exciting. Sorry I ruined it for you. <laughs> We're trying to create drama here on the Disc Golf Network. And well, you're, you know, maybe you ruined. guys should have had, you know, you should have radioed into one of the camera guys and said, <laughs> tell Calvin to miss the putt. Is, uh, do, do, I, I guess I already know this answer. I was going to say, do you even care that Cal, uh, Eagles putt wildly overshadows the win that you still took i mean because his was so dramatic i mean nobody's talking about you making the 25 footer except for us here nobody's talking about that like you beat him but everybody's talking about eagles pot is that is that fair i mean that's fine i mean that was the most exciting shot on our card that day i mean and as i said like it's a all-star team event like i don't I mean, it wasn't like, yeah, I beat Eagle heads up that day, but like the win was more of a collective than, than my one victory over Eagle. And in the end, like, yeah, I mean, the, the event was more fun. It wasn't really about winning or losing. I don't really feel like there was any titles won. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's cool that Eagle shots getting attention because it really is impressive, but and people make 25 footers all the time. So it's really not that exciting. <laughs> all right. Well, you got wildly overshadowed like a 50 footer afterwards. They would have been like, dang, that that's true. Sick. But that's I true. only made a 25 footer because I threw a good approach. I mean, or, or you'd be more talked about if your 25 footer hit basket and then rolled, and then, like, you had to make a longer putt just to to then push the match or something. Like, dude, I already did that. Whatever, at the Fountain <laughs> Hills All Star event. Okay, didn't work out yeah. for me. No, no. Been yeah. there, done that. Decided to go with a different ending. Well, nonetheless, it was awesome, and uh, no surprise, you provided plenty of entertainment. You and the the rest of the card and the overall team and. Uh, same on the FPO side, that was incredibly exciting to watch as things unfolded over there as well. And it was all said and done, obviously, Team Cat uh, taking it down. Was there any sp special, extra special things that were provided to the two team captains uh, Sunday night? You, Cat, was there anything else? Not that I'm aware of. If I was provided something, I, I missed it. <laughs> I missed it completely, but no, I, I don't think there was any special treatment for captains. I mean, in the end, they're, it's not like I did anything extra really compared to anyone else, so I don't expect anything extra. I think we were all contributed equally there as a team, and uh, we reaped the rewards, whatever those might be, outlined in one of those emails equally. <laughs> I mean, except for Yuli. Well, no, he got the same thing. He, <laughs> okay. he gets the same thing. He won. He's a winner, just like the rest of them. Uh, uh, speaking of winners, um, uh, did I hear a new sports management team picked you up? Is uh, Break it down. What What's going on there? What is exactly does that mean for you and your career? Uh, yeah, I picked up, um, I guess, a sports agent this uh, offseason. Um Honestly, negotiating contracts and then real personal branding and all the other details that come with that as far as, you know, 
creating merchandise and everything. It's, it's more than I really want to do. Um, and it's not something I'm really that good at. I, I guess maybe if I put more effort into it, maybe I could be good at it. But uh, sometimes, you know, it's best to pay the professionals to do uh, what they do best. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just pretty much helping me um, grow as a person, get a little more out there and um, get more Calvin content and stuff to the people that enjoy and support me. Okay. Um, I see that it's beacon management. Is that what I've yep. seen? And uh, who, who's heading that up? Um, because I see, I feel like I've seen a number of players sign on with them. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I know, I think, well, the people that signed on when I did were Kevin Jones and Paul Uliberry. I think there might be a few other people that have signed on since then. Um, I, I want to say Kyle Klein maybe, and then hmm. maybe, I want to say maybe I saw that Maria had signed on maybe hmm. with them. Okay. But I could be wrong there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's headed by a guy named Xander Kirby. He's a, uh, based out of Columbia, South Carolina. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much more you want me to like, what you want me to tell you? I mean, what's his background? Um, and, and is it a whole team of people and, and what, what should we expect to see? Um, yeah. What's his background? Um, yeah. So he is, I guess I would call him like the, the person, he's the guy I go to and he, basically handles all my relationships with my sponsors at this point. Um, there are also other people on his team as far as creating content. Um, I went out and did a bunch of pictures and filming in Charlotte this off season uh, with him. So that's, there's, there's other people involved as well, but um, he's the main guy uh, I deal with. If I have any issues, he goes and talks to the, the sponsors. And that that is that irregardless if they're disc golf sponsors or outside of disc golf sponsors, meaning he'll he handles all of those relationships. Yep, yep he uh, he will be handling all those relationships for me. Um, obviously, I still have communication with them to some extent, but uh, any issues I have pretty much go through him, so I don't have to be the bad guy anymore. Uh, be the bad guy. <laughs> but yeah, his, his background, uh, I mean, he's a disc golf fan, but uh, I mean, he kind of has a, a background in um, social media and branding through a uh, landscaping business that he actually grew, you know, through social media platforms. So that's, that's kind of content creation through there is kind of his background on brand growth. Okay. Um how, how do you feel about the notion that some of the usually larger contracts that are within disc golf have become public and, and mm -hmm. that that's usually taking a sign off by both obviously the player and the manufacturer themselves. We've seen that with Ricky. Of course, we've seen that with Paul, uh, you know, dynamic, uh, discraft. Um, do you feel like that's, uh, something that you would care if that's out there or not, or something that you would share if asked, or, or is that just really no one's business? Um, I mean, I can't say I really can share it right now. I mean, most disc golf contracts have some form of an NDA 
associated with them. So definitely not something I should be sharing on your podcast. Um, I know. Sorry, Terry. But, uh, I mean, I, I yeah. could turn everyone else, you know, I could just mute it to the world. You could sh- yeah. share it with I mean, me. I just don't know. Technology malfunctions. Like, I, I don't know if I trust that. But but uh, regardless, yeah, I mean, it's not something I'm opposed to. I just think generally it happens when there's, you know, some big flashy number that, you know, both parties are, are super, you know, ecstatic about. I, I don't think it's a bad thing for the game. And I think it would really be a good thing. It kind of gives everyone an idea of what market value is. And it can, I mean, it's definitely good for the player, maybe not good for the manufacturer. Bingo. Is what I would probably say. But um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not something I'm opposed to in the future. And I also don't think that really those numbers that are being flashed in front of you really give the full picture. Like they're not like Ricky being whatever it was, whatever, four years, 4 million, 250,000 mm-hmm. and whatever Bitcoin, Bitcoin or whatever crypto it was. But like, that's, that's not even really his bottom. Like that is his bottom line. Like he'll probably mm-hmm. make more than that. So it's like, it's not like we don't have his full contract. There's more to it. Like, is there some, is there travel arrangements? Like, is there a travel stipend? Is there, you know, what other parts? Bonuses. Is like, like, it's like we have, the one flashy number from it. So it's like his deal is probably worth significantly more than, you know, even what the flashy number is. So, I mean, it would be cool if everything was public, but I, I don't even think everything of Ricky's deal is public. Like we just have the, the v- big flashy seven figure number, you know? Yeah. And that, and like you said, and I, I say this all the time, it absolutely helps the players and it very much it doesn't help the manufacturers uh, because I feel like it empowers the players even more so, um, you know, like you said, whether it's market value or otherwise. And, and then the manufacturers are looked upon as either they need to answer or they need to deny or accept or whatever those new numbers and those, you know, market values look like. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I say that all the time. It, everybody wants to know them because we're nosy. But secondly, um, the players want to know because that, like you said, gives you something else to compare with. And I don't know that the manufacturers are as excited about it. So, uh, and and you're such a great example because you are literally one of the best in the world. You're, you know, right there with Ricky, Paul, Eagle, um, you know, Chris Dickerson and such. You're right in that, in that highest echelon of players. And you can look to what some of those public contracts have been. And say, okay, well, I, you know, give or take, there might be a, a detail here and there that I'll, I'll want to differ. But for the most part, you kind of should know what you're worth then, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes into worth, though. It's not like, I mean, we can sit here and like, you can't just be like, oh, you're rated this or you did X. Like, it's kind of, there's a bigger picture. I mean, like, I mean, Kona just got one of the biggest FBO deals that we've ever seen. And I wouldn't say that her play or accolades puts her in, you know, the top five FBO players that are playing currently. But she has this amazing social media presence and, and following that has a huge value on its own. So um, as much as like, 
we have value as athletes and I definitely give exposure through coverage and tournaments. Uh, there's definitely a lot of room for growth as far as content creation, because that, that has just as much value as playing good at, good at tournaments. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things to look at and it's really not that cut and dry on what you're worth and, you know, everyone you know, I'm always going to think I'm worth something. And then the manufacturer is going to think I'm worth something else. And uh, hopefully, you know, there's some happy medium in the middle that Beacon Sports Management can come up with. Well, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm so I think in a very short way of saying it as well, you realize and recognize that your value would be even greater if you were more active on social media, putting out more content and more um, out in that capacity, aside from just playing on the lead cards all the time, right? And and I think yeah. you've you've talked about that or discussed that kind of openly, right? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think I have potential for growth there. Um, I think a lot. I mean, I've definitely gained a following through tournament coverage, but I also think I've grown my following, and you know, more people kind of understand who I am through like some of the side games that I was asked to participate in the past couple of years, you know, the skins matches with, uh, with GK pro and uh, the putting games and other skills challenges with Jomez. Um, so hopefully I can, you know, do some more content creation. It's kind of a lot to do while also on the road, like, like the people that do it, you know, religiously, you know, more power to them. I honestly just kind of enjoy some time to just let my mind get away from disc golf, but uh, hopefully I can give you guys a little better, you know, insight into what I'm doing off the course this year. I'll, it's just one of those things you got to try to do. Social media is kind of like a habit that you have to, I don't know, you got to get in a routine. It's just, mm -hmm. and it's not currently, you know, something that's a habit that I just want to do or, just actively do. I've, I heard a player, a prominent player, say that they really want to focus on being an athlete first and a content creator second. But they also recognize that that can have its shortcomings. And I feel like that's kind of been your path. You've been this incredible player. And yeah, you've been involved with a few things on the side here and there, but you've done it mostly with your play. And now you can increase your value. Uh, with other content and social media and, and whatnot. So I guess the question is, and I, I think I teased this out there another day, or maybe it was just in my head because I think about you. Should you and I have some form of regular podcast together? Maybe. Could be fun. I don't know. I don't know anything about doing podcasts, honestly. You only invite me on this one like once a year, so <laughs> awkward. Um, that's that's part. I'm not gonna lie. I think it would be a lot of fun. I think uh, you clearly bring a certain style and humor uh, about, and obviously it would get you out there. But I think we could have a lot of fun with it. The question would be, what would we dip into in terms of the format? How much work do you want to do? How much work do I want to do? Because I mean, we can get in front of a couple mics and talk, but yeah, can we like give like hot takes that like piss our peers off? Like that could be. Uh, like, you could do that. I've like, somehow stayed clear of those, but it would be awesome if you did. Like, that, just, 
see if we can like rile people up into really achieving their true potential rather than yeah sitting around and being lazy. I feel like that's all Nico ever wanted is for you to potentially give hot takes on things. Maybe. I mean, I put him on the clock last year once and <laughs> exactly. He took it well. <laughs> Well, you think about it. I know I just I'm kind of somewhat throwing this out. And originally I thought of it would be kind of funny, but if there is any seriousness to the idea and, and whether it was right it was it was constant or regular or if we wanted to just do it at certain in certain situations, I, I would be up for something of that nature. I think it could be a lot of fun. It obviously would um yeah, it would it would get you more out there if you wanted to in that format. So, assuming you don't do that, and you talk about other things you're doing off the course, do you do you see yourself with a, I'll say an Instagram or a YouTube channel that focuses on your hiking and your rock collecting and searching and like what 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 other content are you looking to produce? Yeah, I think it's just more of. I look into my everyday life, and that'd probably be through Instagram currently. Um, I think I gotta get good at one thing before I dive into another thing. Um, just as far as making videos and editing, and that's way more work than I'm looking to do right now. Um, but I do have a question for you. Uh oh, how many people rejected you on this podcast idea before you finally settled on asking me? Like, like how far down the line am I? <laughs> that's a that's a fair question, and and I, I I hate to almost put this out there, but I have been thinking about doing a separate podcast now for years, and mm. and partially because I love what Johnny and I do, even though he's not here tonight, and I'm good with that. I like the idea of though of also having an additional podcast that's just me and an interview, and that's it. You know, we do all these other random things every night, every Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, there's so many amazing voices and people doing incredible things out there that it, I wouldn't just focus on our, our top competitors. You know, the, the guy that put in his 50th course in some state, like I'd love to give him a platform and talk a little bit about course development with him or her, like yeah. those types of scenarios, I, there's, there's endless people. And I would love to get suggestions for people who I must interview because somebody tells me in the great Northwest, there's one individual who's, you know, run 39 tournaments this year and raised $29,000 or whatever. Like they, yeah. they should be exalted and, and put on a platform. And I would love to help do that. So that was one style that I'd love to do. And then it also hit me like, if I were to do something with a player, how much fun would it be? And I, I literally just went right to you. Because nobody expects you to do a podcast. You're not, you, you don't exude the idea, this, this, uh, this aura of, hey, let's, let's get out and regularly get on a microphone and talk. And so for that reason alone, I thought just that would be uh, a little bit of an appeal and a lure. So I've asked no other pros. I, I feel like it's you or nobody. If I'm you doing another. Nobody. Another podcast. podcast career <laughs> lies in my hands. <laughs> I'm just saying if I'm going to do one with a pro and maybe it's regular, maybe it's semi-regular. I don't know, but I don't know. I, and I know I'm springing this all on you, but listen, yeah, this was you, uh, just you. It could be fun. I could be down. I mean, I know you travel to tournaments. I travel to tournaments. 
I see you a lot, so like maybe we could All do right. this. Maybe we can make it happen. I think it could be fun. Okay. 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 Would would you want to bring the topics or would I? Or would the, or would we bring like 50-50? Um I think I think we'll start with you bringing topics and then I can start helping on the topics later. <laughs> see that that's what I, I I don't want more work. Uh okay. Oh my gosh, fine. Maybe we go 50-50. <laughs> but I don't want more than 50%. Okay. Of the the topics or work. Both. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, I feel like I'm I've been around this this side a little bit longer, so if the, if there's yeah, more work to be done. That should be on my shoulders, not yours. I mean, I know nothing about creating podcasts, so I have a much steeper learning curve than you. Well, I mean, all we have to do is just get on and talk for a little bit. I've seen some real idiots make podcasts, so if they can do it, we could do it. You're right. You're right. I'm not You're even right. just talking about me and John, me and Johnny. There's there's a lot of idiots out there that have successful podcasts. <laughs> let me tell you. What what's the disc golf podcast that you hate the most so that we need to stay away from and not be like? Um you know, I, I really don't listen to disc golf podcasts. So Okay. Um can I get you like passed the first choice? test? Can I can I get like a multiple choice? No, no, you passed the first test. And <laughs> you weren't supposed to answer that. That's that was good. Uh, and to be fair, I tell this all the time. I don't listen to other podcasts as well, not because I'm uh, have an inflated ego or I'm conceited. Uh, I just, I simply, I love that my takes are then I feel like always going to be more genuine and original. They might be similar to someone else's, but at least I didn't hear them from someone else. Just like if I ever do stand up comedy, I, I it's going to be so tough to always not be like pulling any influence from any other comedians. Or, yeah. or taking their jokes like yeah i worry about that anyway all right calvin man we we did a lot tonight i don't know if you know that but we holy cow do you believe it's been like 90 minutes i know i i really locked down and focused i tried to keep my answers to more than like three words for you tonight because i knew you didn't have a co-host so uh-huh yeah way past that my weight. bedtime it's eleven thirty one here now, way past my bedtime. But look at me, I'm still functioning. You it's like you're a team captain, champion team captain. No. You're the team <laughs> captain. You picked me to come on this podcast. <laughs> and it was a good pick. Now, last qu almost last question. What what is tomorrow look like for you? Like as is your you know week or so away from leaving and when are you leaving? But what does tomorrow look like for you? Give everyone a little behind the scenes look at Calvin Heimberg. Probably wake up in the morning a little later than I want to because I'm up so late. But uh no, I'll wake up. We'll see what the weather's like. If it's good, I'll probably go play around of this um and then when I'm when I'm done with that, it's pretty much I have one last cabinet to build um, some upper cabinet above my kitchen. So all focus goes on building that cabinet so that uh, once the window gets installed on Thursday, I can just screw that in and then, you know, install my my lower kitchen cabinet as well, which is already built. It just needs to be screwed into the wall. And uh, yeah, it's just that's the last major item that needs to be built. So all focus is going to go to building cabinets. So I'm going to be a carpenter tomorrow. 
what day do you hope to then take off for uh, Vegas? And then, yeah, how many days are you planning to, to account for to get out there? Uh, I'm flying to Vegas. Um, I fly out to Vegas on Sunday. And then I fly back the following Monday. And then I'll drive out to Waco since there's a week between Vegas and Waco. Um, I'll use that week to travel out to Texas. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're going to, you'll fly, you're flying out Sunday, uh, like this Sunday? Yep. Yep. I said? fly out okay. whatever it is, the 20th, I think. Yep. Okay. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I'll fly back and drive out to Texas. And that's kind of when tour starts. Um, lucky for me, I also get to come back to Florida after the Texas swing because Texas and Florida aren't at the same time this year. So I actually get, you know, one last stop at home and, in March rather than the last time being at home, being right when I leave for Vegas. Yeah. And speaking of which, um, first, first weekend in April, is anything going on there? Mm -hmm. Oh, I gotta look at the calendar. Which, what, what's going on that weekend? Throw it on the mountain perhaps. Oh yeah. I am signed up for throw it on the mountain. I just have no clue what dates those are, but yeah. Yeah. I will be at throw it on the mountain. Um, that should be a fun one. It's it's probably one of my favorite events in Florida. Uh, the course is not really like anything else we have here. Uh, we got elevation. And, uh, yeah, super fun. I'm excited. I think I've heard a bunch of other big pros are going to be there, so we should have a really good field and it should make for some really good competition. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, talked to D Dwayne Reeder just the other day, and I uh, believe I've got my lodging all set up. We're going to have a extra cameraman or two there and i'm going to try and get as much content as possible that weekend i've i've been there for all these years and uh really looking forward to that one as always um, yeah that's where we met right kelvin was that that was the first time probably it's most yeah. likely i mean yeah i, I want to say i met you there like whatever i don't know 2014 or 15 maybe it was 16 i don't know i don't know I'll check, it, it I'll probably check I'll check my diary. That's, that's a lot of diaries ago. <laughs> There's only submissions with you in it, though. So, oh, that's um, weird. Easy. <laughs> well, uh, well, I think well. that should be the name of our podcast. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Maybe. Well, uh, I think I hopefully can click the right buttons, but I think I'm about ready. Uh, I can let you go. Okay. Uh, I know you got a big day of carpentry tomorrow. And um, I'll see you out in Vegas as early as, as Sunday. I think I'm getting out yep. there Sunday as well. I'd ask you to maybe if you wanted to shoot some content, but I, I think I don't know that I'm going to be allowed to shoot content. Mm, yeah. You got to go talk to the event organizers about that. Oh, yeah, that's that's going to be tough. But hey, you know, I mean, if we, if we have to do our first ever podcast and we do it like on the casino floor somewhere, you know, on a casino in a gaming hall or something. Like, I mean, that, that would be kind of fun. I mean, it would be funny. I mean, we so, might smell like cigarettes afterwards, but. <laughs> yeah, that, that's. Uh, anything that, for the podcast. Anything for the podcast. Uh, I'm going to have to ask for names, submissions. We're going to have to ask for all sorts of things out there and uh, see if people will, in fact, get on board with it. But, yeah, it could be a lot of fun. So here's my only, here's my only not so awkward promise I want you to make. If you're going to do a podcast, you'll do, you'll do, if you do any podcast, you at least will do one with me. So maybe there's yeah. more that you get into, but uh, you got to do one with me. 
Okay. That's a deal. I mean, I'm going to learn all the trade secrets from you, and then I'll use these trade take secrets and, and take them and then move on to, you know, bigger and better things. <laughs> but You just want to use me. All right. Yeah. Calvin, uh, seriously, uh, everyone loves hearing from you. I do as well. So I appreciate you giving me so much time, giving all of us so much time tonight. And uh, looking forward, yeah, Sunday. I'll probably run into you Sunday somewhere um, out there in Las Vegas. Looking forward to it. Yep. Looking forward to seeing you out there as well. All right. Appreciate it. Talk to you later. Yep. Talk to you later. Safe travels. Yep. Thank you. Bye. You too. Bye. All right. Oh, I even clicked on the right button. Looks like I am ready. Holy cow. Uh, in all seriousness, thank you so much uh, to Kelvin for joining. Uh, that, that was a lot of fun. I have I, I know our podcasts go long. There's nothing new or shocking about that. But the fact that we legitimately just had 90 minutes and it certainly didn't feel like it is uh, is awesome. So appreciate all the updates, the insight, all the information moving into 2022. All right, guys, here is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a quick look at anything on the board. I've been trying to somewhat keep an eye on it. I apologize. My eyes are all over the place. Normally, Johnny V's clicking the buttons, and I'm double-checking what's going on, but uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything out on the board that I need to be aware of. And uh, no, looks like looks like things are going well. So a couple quick things that I would like to touch on. I don't know how fancy I want to try and get. This is probably going to backfire, but... Rather than misquoting anything, which I, I, I try to stay away from, I would like to go to some of the news and updates that were released today on the Disc Golf Pro Tour slash Disc Golf Network. And here, ooh, I, th this is a big risk, folks. I want to see if I can share something from a screen because rather than me um trying to break it down i would much rather oh holy cow this might actually work gosh i don't know why johnny gets so much credit hopefully my audio still continues to work and hopefully i can click on this button i don't know please tell me if that works for you guys if so and you can still hear me what I would like to talk about quickly is uh, some of the announcements that were made with regard to the 2022 Disc Golf Media, uh, Disc Golf Network plan. And if I click on this button, ah, that's not the one I meant. I'm sorry. This is what happens. You can try and use Instagram. Um, I think the biggest news of the day that came in with the Disc Golf Network was the fact that all rounds of the DGPT Elite Series and PDGA Majors, including yes, including the USDGC and the European Open are all going to be part of your regular subscription to the Disc Golf Network. I'll repeat that. The USDGC and the European Open will be part of your Disc Golf Network subscription. And I know somebody... Let me, I apologize. Let me see if I can get just that. Am I in fact muted? <laughs> you guys, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm pausing. Am I muted? Ah, dang it. Okay.
All right. I don't know if this, hopefully this is not muted. I apologize if it was muted. I was trying to get all fancy. You jerks. You jerks. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, here's what I was trying to do. I was trying to show you guys the this um, screen, which was telling you that all... <laughs> now you got me all flustered. <laughs> um, I was trying to tell you guys that this, in fact, has the USDGC and the European open as part of your subscription. Uh, there is a slight adjustment in the pricing with regard to that. The full subscription is $11.99 a month or $99.99 per year. However, if you're a PDGA member, you can get a discount. It says a 50% monthly subscription discount of $5.99. I'm going to keep scrolling and give you more information. Or, and this this sounds like a great opportunity. It doesn't sound economically sound for you guys. But if this is the way you want to roll, you can. It says you can purchase per round or per event as well, starting at $4.99 per round or $9.99 per event. Again, <laughs> if you're a PDGA member, let's rewind. If you're a PDGA member, you're getting a monthly, a full monthly discount. Uh, price of $5.99 or or you could get a per round cost at $4.99 or a per event cost at $9.99. Seems crazy to not just simply sign up for the Disc Golf Network. I make no money from this. I don't get any kind of uh, kickback or bonus or incentive for signing up new people. This isn't an L MLM. I'm just saying it sounds like a pretty good deal. And then, yes, they did clarify that they're still planning to give you the final round um, uh, free on YouTube. And plenty of people want to go that route. And gosh, golly darn it, keep on doing that if you want to. That's uh, all, all good for you. Um, you're more than welcome to just keep watching. I know a lot of people said, oh, I'll just watch the last day for free. And he here's what I'm going to talk about for another moment on that. <laughs> Some people have complained, whatever. The final rounds for the last couple of years now, even when there's been a pay-per-view model in place, the final rounds have been free to watch. Someone would say that's backwards. Why are you giving us the final day for free? That's because we are still trying to get it out there and have as many people be able to tune in to live disc golf. So although it seems counterintuitive to put the payoff day, the final day uh, out there for free, it's still happening. And that's the way it's been. I, I don't know if it'll ever change or not. I'm going to just assume it's not. I don't know that for a fact. I don't make those decisions. But you can always watch the final day. So there you go. Maybe that's all you're interested. Maybe that's all you can afford. That's totally fine. So check it out, DGN. If you've got questions, uh, I'm sure all this stuff is laid out there uh, more uh, in a more elaborate fashion or a little more eloquently, but check the Instagram if you want. I'm guessing there's probably some emails sent out about it, but that is available. Again, last year, I think the base package for the USDGC, I don't know if it was just $9.99 or, or $19.99. Let's just say it was $9.99. I don't even know if there was an option for that. Whatever it was, that is almost all entirely offset by the slight increase that you're seeing for this year's new pricing model. You're getting the USDGC already included. And I feel like 
I think there was a number that got thrown around about having upwards of 40, 40, I don't know if it was event days, whatever. All I know is there's a huge increase that we're even covering more rounds. So you're getting more rounds that far outweigh uh, the, the slight increase of the dollar or so it is a month or whatever it is. So um, it's a good deal. If you don't like it and you can't afford it, that's fine as well. I'm not going to judge you, but it's a good deal. Speaking of good deals, we, I kind of just tiptoed around. Well, I didn't tiptoe. I asked Kelvin a whole bunch of the questions with regard to the Disc Golf Pro Tour All-Stars, what they were treated to, uh, what that all entailed. And as you would expect, I've come to expect, there was a lot of frustrated people or at least vocal people. Maybe a lot's not the right word. There were vocal people saying that this weekend they were super mad that they couldn't watch what was taking place on Friday and Saturday. Saying, disc golf's never going to grow, which is wrong. And live viewership's never going to grow, which is wrong, because we have these paywalls. And, and the All-Star Weekend is a great weekend to have everything for free. It should all be free. I would ask, says who? Where do you come up with that? Why? <laughs> the Disc Golf Pro Tour has invested tens of thousands of dollars. I don't even know what the number is multiple tens of thousands of dollars to bring the players in to give them an all-star weekend experience to put them up in a nice resort to have bonus money free lodging free food all of this other stuff including money and money some kind of appearance fee and then bonus payout all of those things cost money and are exclusively a result of the disc golf pro tour existing so for someone to scream and say that the coverage should all be free every day and that's how you grow more viewers and disc golf grows, I just have to entirely disagree with you. It's, and I know I'm banging my head against the wall and I know a lot of you probably are viewers and subscribers and, and I, I might be preaching to the choir and I, I apologize, but it just, it really gets me worked up when people are talking about how this should be provided to them for free and it's not fair or whatever other thing you want to say, this event literally didn't exist two years ago. And it's only because of the generous efforts and the help of the disc golf network and the disc golf pro pro tour. This was a, for lack of a better phrase, this event was a made for TV event in the first place. And so without having the subscription model, um, without having the Disc Golf Network in play and the way that it is, it would have never existed in the first place. I just, I, I do not understand. I, I don't understand where this, this weird entitlement comes from um, out there. But anyway, it was an awesome weekend. Um, big shout out. I know I've said it multiple times throughout the weekend, but Jeremy Herr, uh, at the Tucson Disc Golf Club, Pete Uliberry, and anyone else. And I, I don't mean to exclude anyone, but anyone that had anything to do uh, with the success of this event from a local organization, uh, local organizing committee, uh, whatever, 
just huge, huge thanks and props to all of all of you. Uh, I know there was a lot of pride. There was a lot of deliberation, a lot of things that had to go into it. Uh, so for the El Conquistador Resort uh, to allow us to be at this push ridge, and then for the Tucson Club and, and all the counterparts and the volunteers and every else, everyone else that went along with them, I just can't say it enough. Thank you. Thank you so much. So wanted to get all that out there. Um, uh, Ryan is on the board saying the drone shots were so, so good this weekend. I mean, those are, those are just some of the advancements that we've been able to, to pull in in the last few years. You know, I, I think back to five or seven, eight years ago when Smashbox started, we had one camera or two cameras. And at one point you were watching live disc golf that had three people involved. Heck, at one point it was two. It was Johnny V sitting in a basement and it was me working a camera with a backpack, doing the announcing all on site. It literally was two of us. That's how it started. So to see what we've grown into as, as a overall live broadcast entity and to see what we've done and people talked about banking shots or having replays and cutting to more cameras, having live drone shots. That's all part of this evolution. And is it a hundred percent perfect? Of course it's not. It absolutely is not. Uh, from every perspective, there's, we all have room to grow and improve, but um, it, it's been a pretty amazing evolution and I, I'm just happy to have the, a tiny little part in it. So that's enough blathering on about it, but I got to tell you, it's, um, it's, it's really exciting. And I, can promise you it's only going to continue to get better i mean a couple of years ago we had two cameras and now we got to four cameras and now we've got six cameras and a drone and a, and this you know a couple fancy reaction cameras and replays and everything else uh it's it's pretty crazy all right guys um i i don't know that i have a ton of other things to present to you guys here tonight um uh, i'm thinking about what we saw from the disc golf network uh in terms of the media plan also, I'm going to head over to the PDGA. Uh, it looks like they have an announcement out here. Well, that's with regard to the media plan and what that means to be a PDGA member. So, of course, if you are a PDGA member, even if you're at that $50 amateur level, uh, you're going to then be eligible for all of the discount uh, that goes along with being a Disc Golf Pro Tour subscriber or Disc Golf Network sub subscriber. So all of those are out there. Uh, the PDGA, again, re-emphasized what the current eligibility standards are. We saw that released on February 9th, uh, back on last Wednesday, where it says the PDGA's mission statement values and vision of inclusion emphasize our focus on growing the sport of disc golf through structured competition. And it goes on to talk about that. And then it goes on to again, just clarify where uh, the PDGA is um, and how they've now created a PDGA medical committee and the forthcoming subcommittee on gender-based divisions. And then also talks about using the IOC framework right now that are all part of the current standards. So uh, I know this has been a very hot topic and, an, and a very discussed topic. It's an opportunity for you to voice your opinion if you'd like. Hopefully it's in a... Uh, uh, respectful and professional manner, but just know that the PDGA is continuing to look into it and um, be on the uh, forefront of everything they can with regard to player eligibility and um, all of those conversations. So that's out there. And I don't know if there was anything else on the PDGA side that is, oh, you know what? Here's what we'll do since Johnny would normally do this anyway. I'll do this. 
I would love to, partly because I'm I'm curious myself. I wanted to talk about a few events that took place this last weekend. One of them being, holy cow, the 44th annual Wintertime Open presented by Leg Legacy Discs. Steve Rico, I believe, listed as your tournament director. He made a post on Facebook or somewhere that his run of playing this event ends at 33 consecutive years in a row. So Steve Rico, who's I'm 43, I think he's 42. Steve Rico had played this for 33 consecutive years. And talk about a way to end a streak of playing in an event to then go run it. I think is pretty amazing. But uh, quickly, your champions of that event or your top finishers include Jacob Curtis, Cupcake, who has been a little on a little bit of a tear. We saw him win a few weeks ago as well. Luke Sampson ties Chris Kesselhoff. Josh Anthon finishes in fourth. Philo Brathwaite and Jackie Chen finishing in a tie for fifth. A couple quick notes on that. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked to, last week, we talked about if Jackie Chen had fully adjusted. We saw that he struggled at the La Mirada event last week. Uh, well, it looks like he's he's getting a little bit more in tune and back on track. His golf this weekend was rated 1029, 980, and 1006. So certainly playing some good golf out there. Uh, and as I mentioned, he tied with Philo Brathwaite. Wanted to give a shout out. Philo Brathwaite celebrating a birthday a couple days ago. And I think I saw it on the socials. 2018 world champion Greg Barsby celebrating a birthday today. So a couple of our superstars. Melody Wable takes down uh, FPO and does so handily by, I believe, 11 strokes over Carissa Dedman, Violet Main, and Taylor uh, S. Finishing out the card there. Shasta Chris also... Uh, fought back hard, uh, according to his Facebook, I think, earlier, saying uh, that he had to uh, do so in the end. He shoots a 10-33 final round to then tie Patrick Brown and beat him in a playoff. So congratulations to him. Jerdog taking it down in MP50. More importantly, Jerdog's getting ready for Vegas. Right, Jerdog? All right. Uh, Jenny Umstead uh, taking down the masters women so a couple champions there let's move over and see what other events were going on again my mind was 100 in bend at the all-star weekend i was in bend my mind was in arizona uh so let me see what other large-scale events we had this last weekend excuse me as i do a little bit of scrolling uh those look like the largest events looks like i uh, i named most of the largest events. Of course, there were other ones, but excuse me, those were the largest ones that uh, that jumped out at me. Yeah. Okay. So there's that. All right. Uh, and honestly, I don't know if CCDG did cover the winter time or not. Um, I know they have quite a few times in the past. I'm uncertain if they did, uh, in fact, this weekend. I'm un, uh, unsure of that. A couple other quick updates. I know Johnny V mentioned it briefly last week. We did hear that uh, Johnny McRae had suffered a heart attack. Johnny McRae seems to be very much on the mend right now. He left. He walked out of the hospital a few days ago. Uh, he is now starting a new page. Him and his wife, Jen, have started a new page talking uh, about 
the overall process of what had happened, but also I think uh, some of the ways that they're hoping to uh, share and enlighten others about not only um, you know possible challenges that they could face, but also coming up with solutions of uh, better health, better recipes, things of that nature, and some of the things that they're doing. So that's out on Facebook. So Johnny McRae on the men. And then also we had heard um, that Jim Oates had suffered a uh, undergone a quadruple bypass surgery. So uh, he also appears to be on the mend and uh, we, we wish the best for him uh, to continue to do so. Uh, and if you didn't see it since it was last week, I didn't announce it last week. We didn't have it available. Uh, <laughs> the Bay County kickoff is all available. It's out there. <laughs> Something I don't understand about the coverage. I did release it. It was round one and round two. My good friend Dustin teamed up with uh, Brent Gain over there, Brent Gann, at the Bay County kickoff and uh, was able to film the round or both of those rounds, both featuring Matt Orem and Matteo throwing his brand new West Side Plastic. That was all in the second weekend of January. So that's available. If you want to go out and watch it, that's all on my channel. I even took one of his two rounds and busted that out into a separate solo round. So if you just want to see what Matty O did and you just want to see this incredible round he shot, that is its own video in like nine or ten minutes. Uh, and then Dustin, who's known as Dustin Diss out on the board right now, he is uh, he was doing the co-commentary on that. And I know we've talked about it a number of times, but Dustin is a professional esports commentator. CSGO and some other games I have no, no idea about uh, or don't know anything about, but he come uh, Valorant. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Um, he, he does that professionally and he has also been playing disc golf. He's been documenting a little bit of that journey, but also wants to get more into the disc golf commentary role. And he again, joined me for that. And I wanted to say a big shout out to Dustin and uh, certainly go check out his channel. <laughs> it's been great seeing how many people, watch disc golf and then recognize the voice and it's not mine they recognize uh that it is uh, a professional esports commentator so it's been really cool to see him with his crossover into disc golf for that reason so thank you dustin i know you're out there and i, I certainly appreciate you all right i'm gonna try here's what i'm gonna do and there's not really gonna be an after show tonight just to close down the stream to reopen the after show to do what i'm about to do Seems a little silly without Johnny V here. Uh, first and foremost, we're going to have a Patreon giveaway that will double up next week. So I don't have the number and the people in front of me at the moment. I'm not going to dig around on Johnny's computer. But uh, we'll we'll just do two Patreon giveaways next week. So you're, you're not missing out on anything. We'll have two of them. Um, and then also right now, I'll read more information off the board. Go through all of that. If you've got questions, start firing them at me right away. And I'll try and read through all those. Once I get caught up on those, then I'll probably call it a night here. I got more videos to edit, believe it or not. I've got, I got more stuff for you guys. I've got some 2021 action that I'm now going to go back. It was all bonus footage, extra stuff we had caught. I'm going to go back, start getting that edited and uh, getting that released too. And then don't say finally, because it, it's all bonus footage. So a lot of talking but here i'm going to read the board and uh, see what's going on uh i just pick up where well first of all there was a super chat so i'm going to start with that jeff frazier says thanks for all you do terry jeff thank you i appreciate the super chat we appreciate it 
All right. I am going to read. Darren says, dang, I'm a little late. I kind of forgot it was Tuesday because I didn't work. Get a job. You bum. Just kidding. Um, come on. A drone flying with a disc would be cool. I'm not sure what that's referencing, but yes, we're getting more drones. I think they're going to continue. I said this many years ago that we were a ways away from having live drone shots until drones got quieter and drone battery power got better. And we're starting to see those things happen as well. So uh, certainly very cool to see. And, and I guess the third piece of that is you have to have a professional drone operator. You don't want me out there operating a drone as a, instead of a camera because I will fly the drone into your face or a basket or into a tree while, right while you're trying to putt. So thankfully, we've got some guys with their 107 series, 107s, 107As, whatever they are, professional drone pilot licenses uh, out there doing some work. So it's only going to continue to get better. Alan Risley's on the board saying, Terry, I'm running a skins match Thursday. Bradley Williams, Jacob Cupcake Curtis, Clint Calvin, and Parker Welk. That sounds like fun. Couldn't get Ricky to come play? I think Ricky and Bradley are hanging out out there, right? San Diego area? All right. Daddy Disc Golf says, let's talk about the proper use of the word stable. I don't want to. <laughs> I, think, I think the long and short of it is, <laughs> at the risk of sounding like an idiot, uh, when I think of stable, I think it goes pretty straight. Maybe it's got a little finish to it. Overstable, even more so, of course, where it's going to finish harder. That's how I've referenced stable throughout many years. Understable, of course, meaning it would uh, go the opposite way. So if you say a disc is stable, you think of it as going relatively straight, maybe having a slight finish to it if you're putting, if you're throwing a right-handed backhand throw, as I predominantly am. I think of it as going relatively straight with a slight finish to the left. Overstable is going to have a much, much harder finish or be less resistant to torque. If we want to throw out some of those words, that, that would be my take on it, Daddy Disc Golf. And if you have a podcast that says otherwise, I would invite people to go listen to that. Um, is the Disc Golf work Network showing Silver Series events too? Yes, they are. Um, yes. Final round. Just like last year, the final round will be featured live on the Disc Golf Network. So look for that. Oh, and in addition to everything else that's going on, and there's a little additional dollar a month cost or increase, whatever it is, um, the plan right now also is to have separate men's and women's streams. So instead of one five-and-a-half or six-hour block or whatever it was commonly, there will be a three to three-and-a-half to four-hour block of women usually in mornings, I believe, a break, and then come back with all exclusive men content. Exclusive women, exclusive men. Try. Try to argue with that. Go ahead. Try. I just won't listen to you. Uh, Dustin says, coming from eSports, everything is free to watch, which leads to big viewership, and it attracts sponsors because of that. Uh, oh, you're talking about the... Yeah, the business of pay-per-view versus free versus blah, blah, blah. I, I understand all of that. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's an argument to be made when someone says, 
hey, there is 50,000 people watching this for free, or would you rather have 20,000 people watching something that they're paying for? Those are two very different angles and philosophies. And I, th I think you have to then wonder, does that, does that 50,000, um, a, is that a big enough difference and B, is there enough revenue gain in going with that route as opposed to 20,000 or 10,000, whatever the numbers. Now, clearly if there's 5,000 paid and there's 200,000 free, then I think you have a different story. But you see, and others have said for many years, what if we have 10,000 that pay and 20,000 that would just watch for free? You, you got to run some numbers. You, what does it cost? Where are sponsors coming from? Are they beating down your door? It, it comes down, it's just numbers. That That's largely what it comes down to. I, I do have... One other, this is just kind of a life tip. Just going to throw this out there. Um, not a lot of stuff in life is free. And there's usually good reason for that. And if it's free to you, that probably doesn't mean it's free for everyone else. So a free disc golf course, that at one point costed the city, that at one point costed the club members, that at one point co costed uh, the taxpayers or or a charity. Free to you means somebody else paid for it. So just keep that in mind. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to keep scrolling a little bit here. Uh, yes, Dustin Paywall, therefore, is guaranteed revenue. That's another good way to put it, too. Horses live in a stable, a barn, a barn stable. Okay. <laughs> um rules updates uh i think we talked about all those well some of those a little bit earlier please double check all your rules i guess that would be a best way to do it uh the pdga has a new rule school that's out there but just in general i know dana i'm going to steal dana vichy's tip from years ago when you're taking that first trip you're flying like billy you're flying from minnesota out to arizona to the memorial or to vegas Bust out the PDGA rule book. Download it on your phone and just read it. Read it on your plane flight. You, a, you're guaranteed to get it done. And B, I almost guarantee you, excuse me, you either read a rule and comprehend it differently or you will read something that you didn't realize was or wasn't a rule before. I can almost guarantee you that. And I can say that because Multiple times throughout the years, I had just picked up the rule book and I was like, yeah, I'm going to read this. Again, it's very thin, very easy to get through or digital. And I was like, huh, I guess I didn't realize that. And I've been a certified official since 1996 or 98. Read the rule book, especially the updates. Stable coins are good. Yes, they are. <laughs> Hoover Dam course that I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to keep skipping. Uh, Johnny McRae disc today, support him. Cheers. Yes, I know latitude slash dynamic. I apologize. One of the two created a fundraiser disc uh, with proceeds going to uh, Johnny McRae. I thought they sold out, but go search for one if you want to buy one. You can get a great disc and then also support Johnny McRae. Rico is a legend. I agree. 
Jackie and Nate were practicing. Yes, I know uh, Nate um, Nate Perkins was very much uh, helping out and walking around and uh, talking to Jackie Chen and uh, befriended him uh, upon arriving here in the States. So hopefully uh, there's some content that got made as a result of that. All right. Oh, geez. Uh-oh. I see some more stable conversation. Um, Terry, I've got you in the after show if you're jonesing. I appreciate it, Dion, but I'm actually going to close out pretty soon. Most other times I would take you up on it. Uh, I'm sure you've got good stuff and we should chat anyway, um, but not tonight. Uh, did you ask Kelvin what plastic he's getting for the Destroyer? I did not, but I bet you this some form of star will be the answer. Licensed operators, you guys are talking about the drones again. Has Kelvin been on already? Yes, Kelvin was on <laughs> uh, for an hour and a half to start the show. Um, I have my part uh, 107. If you come to the Northeast, uh, that's awesome. Stable equals straight. He's going for it. <laughs> stable is neutral. Stable, overstable. Yeah, 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 yeah. You guys can argue with that. Um <laughs> Uh, people yelling get stable mean to say get new okay <laughs> I know this is going to sound silly coming from me as I get older I'm trying to pick my battles <laughs> deciding where I want to split hairs or not speaking of my backwards this is my bevel hat by the way uh, which I love so sure get new get stable okay uh <laughs> Many people watching this weekend couldn't understand that UDISC was absent, and so we didn't have pars, whole lengths, and live scores. Yeah, that that's fair to say. Uh, UDISC was not on the back end. Um, it sounds like things weren't necessarily ready to go. Uh, you know, for for this, this was such a unique format that I know there were additional programming and challenges that would have been faced uh, with it, and so I know that UDISC was not the back end. That that definitely in some parts of the broadcast, if it wasn't obvious, certainly made things a little bit more challenging, and we were doing the best we possibly could. Um, but yes, uh, it was not on the back end for us this weekend. How many potatoes a week do you eat? I don't eat that many potatoes. I don't like potato chips. Unfortunately, I'm sometimes a sucker for fries. But I don't eat that many potatoes. I'm not going to say that's a weird question, but we'll go with it. Uh, how it did show a big difference, UDISC. Okay, yep. Uh, do you think the separate streams will affect the FPO field beneficially? I hope so. I mean, obviously, that you know we're trying to make the viewer experience as good as possible, and we're trying to make the playing experience as good as possible. There's never going to be an argument then of, Hey, 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 cut cut back to Cat and Paige. They've got this great battle. Or the argument of, hey, 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 cut back to Ricky and Paul. They've got this great battle. Get off of Cat and Page. In theory, we won't have that argument to have as a as the show gets produced and directed and cut and edited. Um, I guess edited is not the word, but directed and produced. We're not going to have those conversations. You're going to find something else that you, that might frustrate you, uh, or you're going to say, "Oh yeah, 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 go go to the ninth card because my favorite local Joe Schmo is shooting hot. He's two under through ten, um, and we're still not going to be able to do that necessarily." But there'll be more of a dedicated 
uh, focus on the cards that are out there and that, that are on the course. So I think it will certainly help. Um, it will cost more and it'll be more labor intensive and it'll, it'll have a, a number of other challenges that will assist that, but hopefully all of those get addressed and they outweigh uh, or are outweighed by all of the benefits that come as a result of it. Uh, double the streams, <laughs> half the work productivity. There you go on Fridays. Yeah, exactly. That that might be your problem. Uh, is now you'll have instead of like I said, a one five or six hour stream, there'll be two three and a half hour streams. More golf. Dion, we need to talk about the PDGA making membership free and relying on selling advertising with millions of members. Uh, yes, I think that's all tongue in cheek. And dare I say uh, something I sarcastically do in fact agree with you on disc blaster so that's a good one uh paywall and commercials not complaining asking for an argument um i i would just generically say just because there's a paywall doesn't also then necessarily mean that's going to offset every cost either and i've said this before sometimes commercials aside from a financial gain that they might provide to a network and to a, a company Sometimes there is a a production value to having commercials. You have a big long break and you're waiting on your first two feature cards to to throw a shot. Uh, you have some other downtime. There's there you know there's a, there's a lot of reasons where commercials can also they kind of help break up the the show the mon, I'll say monotony of constant golf. They help give the commentators a, a mental break for a few seconds. They also, um, you know, allow the commentators like myself, who has a small bladder, allow me to go use a restroom. Uh, they let cameramen sometimes stand down for just a few moments. There's a lot of things that factor into, and I understand you may or may not love commercials, even though I think they're getting better and they can be actually really advantageous for a lot of companies. I can understand you may not love them. I don't know if anyone loves commercials. But there's so much more to them than just uh, the financial component that's attached to them. Most people will, won't understand that unless you've worked uh, on this end. All right. If I get caught up here, you guys going to let me get caught up and close it out? Um, <laughs> I tend, tend to consume my potatoes in fried format. I like that. That, that works. It's not healthy for us, but I'm... No one has accused me of being too healthy. Um, Jay says, usually Thursdays on the course, the pros are playing that weekend. Love is free. Unsilenced dissenter says, it is. So I hope you go out and love somebody real hard and often. Is it's just numbers the best way to grow the sport or is it the best way to grow the industry? Who knows? Everybody... Uh, my big problem with that is everyone has a different objective. Has the sport grown enough? Are we trying to grow the industry? Are, are... <laughs> I don't want to get too ta <laughs> off, off base here, but I'd love to see the sport continue to grow, and I'd love to see it grow in terms of uh, depth as well. This sport has been on the backs of hundreds of thousands of volunteers working tirelessly and will continue to need hundreds of thousands of volunteers and volunteer hours. 
no matter how big we get. And uh, now I think we need to find ways to make it sustainable and to make it responsible. Yeah, all of those things. If it's free media, you're being sold. Um, yes, that's another way to look at it. Let the viewer pick the card they want to watch. That would be great, but not yet remotely practical. Uh, are most of these pro players modern-day hippies? <laughs> that's a lot to unpack by saying most, and then pros, and then hippies. I mean, we have an incredible collection and and variety of people that are out on the courses i i i wouldn't generalize using that statement though um hulu and netflix hippies hate water is that is that true that seems like a weird statement all right uh <laughs> joel says i think you should keep that hat backwards oh yeah Joaquin in Cisco, a.k.a. NSCO, shot pretty well this weekend in the wintertime. 12th place, not bad for the first time on that course playing with the pros. Love it. Good self-plug there for your um, relative. Usually at tourneys, the senior division has a good amount of hippies competing. That's true. Alan says, I love commercials. Alan, we, we love that you love them. Uh <laughs> Um, don't not everyone on the course is wearing a diaper. Those commercials save the sport a lot of embarrassment. Yeah, I mean, again, it can be for the players, and there's a lot of other people that those can certainly uh, help out. If we keep if we keep creating comments and he keeps reading them, we'll miss the LVC. No, no, I'm I'm trying to close this out. I'm going to go for a a nice long walk when this is done. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan says, I appreciate the potato. I, 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 yeah, you're welcome. The potato honesty. Um, all right. How about multiple live streams like in Thailand last week? Yeah. I mean, they killed it. The, the production value over there. I didn't get a chance to see them all, but, uh, I heard there was multiple people with live cameras, uh, streaming maybe the skins match that was taking place and maybe even the final few holes of the tournament. Uh, Yes, uh, yes, yes, and yes. Can't can't argue with that. Nice work out there, guys. Uh, no sleep for Terry. No sleep for Terry. I've got, uh, I got. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. The only the, my only personal. This is a hundred percent selfish and personal. Many of you know if you follow along at all that I am a absolute. I am an absolute night owl. So when there's golf being played at. I'm going to say 9 a.m. locally, or in this weekend's case, 8 a.m. locally in Arizona. That means that is 7 a.m. in Bend. That means we should be in the studio with headsets on, ready to talk traffic, as we call it, and what's happening for the day by like 6.15, 6.30. That means I'm up a half hour before that to get up, and then a half hour before that for my hair I'm telling you, as a guy who loves to go to bed at like three or four to then flip a switch to then have to be getting up at three or four for the day, or actually it's 545, 100% selfishly, it's not my favorite. I'm just not a morning person. So 
Uh, <laughs> those are going to be some early mornings throughout the year. If I'm in Bend and we're commentating, to put that in perspective, when the MVP and the GMC kick off, let's just say 9 a.m., that is a 6 a.m. start in Bend. So if I'm there commentating and it's 5.30, you do all that math. That's rough for me. <laughs> 30 minutes here, six-minute abs. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a good way to put it. Um, any new commentators for the Disc Golf Pro Tour? Uh, I think we're going to see and hear more from Brian Earhart, a little more here and there from Zoe Andike, more from Nate Perkins. Uh, Elaine is getting uh, into the mix. We'll be in the mix again. Uh, Christine Jennings will be in the mix. Philo, Ian, Nate Sexton, Nate Doss, Valerie Jenkins. Um, those are all your main, myself, those are all your main commentators throughout um, scattered throughout the year. Charlie Eisenhood, uh, I believe is going to be involved in a number of events as well. So that's, um, I, I don't know that we have anyone else brand new as of right now, but can I get a quick shout out for, uh, Holly Finley who was out there and, and killed it this weekend. Paul Uliberry was out there. He was doing work on the mic. Uh, and then Jamie Thomas, uh, he brought such a great energy, uh, on the mic and was awesome uh, as the the field sideline reporter throughout the weekend. So big shout out to all of them. Um, Daniel, I, how do I stay up till three every night? It's because I don't have to set an alarm and get up at six or seven or eight. Most of the times it's nine or 10. So if I'm up till three or four, getting up at nine or 10 is not that crazy. My, my work day is just shifted in a weird direction. Yes, and Brian Earhart is gold. Feels a little. All right, guys. I I could ramble with a few odds and ends, but believe it or not, it's been two and a half hours alone, uh, with the exception of our good friend Calvin Heimberg. But I'm gonna call it. It's been so much fun being here as usual. I'm actually still at Johnny V's house. Uh, I'm gonna pack up. I'm gonna go for a walk, nice four mile walk, and then I'm gonna head home, which is about thirty minutes away. But it's been a lot of fun with you guys here tonight. Thank you for tuning in and, and joining. I'm going to try and get out of here before Johnny gets home in the next half hour. Um, next week, doubling up on the Patreon giveaways. Also, big shout out to anyone that's supporting me on Patreon via my Disc Golf Guy account. Uh, different but similar in, in, in the, the way that it works, but also some of you support me on or us on both and i can't say enough about it that's how we continue to get uh keep things going and uh, hopefully i continue to bring you a ton more uh off-season content slower season content smaller events medium size events bonus cards bonus coverage all that other stuff so i'm gonna call it oh i should get ready so i can press the buttons correctly this is a big deal i gotta do all this stuff on my own uh all the smashies out there, anyone that did any super chatting tonight, thank you so much. Thank you to Kelvin Heimberg, his raw energy and honesty uh, that he continues to bring both on and the, off the course. Uh, absolutely love it. Even if I think he said at one point, I absolutely 
didn't, didn't care at all about this weekend. Whatever he said, uh, he's your team captain that took it down. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to Katrina. And really, honestly, congratulations to all the all-stars that made it to that point so that they could have the weekend that was presented in front of them along with the Disc Golf Pro Tour and the Disc Golf Network and all the guys that work so hard out there uh, on site to make it happen. The Tucson Club and those people I mentioned, but then all of the entire Disc Golf Network uh, crew and staff that also made it happen. That's it. That's episode 390. That was Calvin Heimberg. That was an all-star wrap-up. That's all I got. I'm going to sign off. Thank you guys so much for joining. Regular, Same bat time, same bat place. Actually, I'm going to be coming in from Vegas next week. We'll see how that goes. I'm Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy. This has been Smashbox TV Podcast 390. I'm going to click a button. I'm going to sign us off. We'll see you guys next week. You step inside the Smashbox. Did I click the right button? Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.